Hi, this is Peter David, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. And when I think of you, I touch myself. Best sound of the week right there. It means it's official. It is. Like Very a official. That's right, baby. Those the fucking Facebook stickers. About to look high in a minute. Yeah, he is. Fucking warm. Is you you ain't my Ah, baby. baby. Loves it. I like it. (laughs) Like what? The Warner Brothers cartoons. They're not bad. Oh, yeah. The, the ones yes, that are. Yes, Ain't my baby. Like the one that, uh. The one that parodies, um. To have and have not. And then at the end when, uh. Humphrey lights the cigar and then he ends up with. When, when he. What a. The blowback, the explosion. I'm like, yeah, alright, we don't need to see that. <laughs> I mean, they were of a time. You know, it's like that was. It's not. You kind of cringe now, but it, it was. I don't want to say acceptable. It just it is what it is. Oh, the animation's great. The animation's fucking flawless. It's it's gorgeous. yeah yeah. The only one I didn't enjoy as a kid, and I would actively get up wherever I was and and turn the and change the channel or or you know just turn the TV off. Mm-hmm. The opera one. Oh really? Oh, okay. hate it. Wow. Yeah, Barbara of Seville. That's yeah. I like that one. Don't. Oh. I love I, I love the uh, like Little Red Riding Hood like hey, rabbit I, I that one the the whole hair pie thing hair dye sorry hair dye <laughs> uh, yeah no I, I love the hair pie oh, oh I do but I know you don't hey little strips or nothing that's all you that's well nothing it's is band aid but yeah that's dirty which is fitting how you want like all the hairy that's that's, that's strange. <laughs> I, I peg you as a hairy guy, as one who likes My the... people are very hairy, so we don't usually tend to like know, With that. the machete and everything, got to hack away at it just to, um... Yep. Yeah. Something in there. I think. I think. Sounds like it. Anyway. Hey, everybody. It's 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 359. No. Yes. And I am... I thought it was 69. Vin- no. I am Vince B. Oh, but... I'm 69. I am David A. Price. Yes, you is. And from the high seas, I'm Captain Meryl Steubing. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Why are you Captain Steubing? He's probably listening to Charo's Greatest Hits. Because love's exciting and new. Yeah. Before Vince, uh, we're expecting you, the love boat. Oh, my God. And I'm his daughter, Julie the Crack Whore. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not Captain Steubing. You're Jason Wood. In the house, yet another time with eleven o'clock comics. I don't have a segue, so let's just wing it. Okay. You you can set sail for very very <laughs> low prices for your comic book. You're right. Comics. You don't have a segue. I know at Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com, get your stuff super cheap, such as from Oni. They're going uh, around again. Writer Rick Spears and artist James Callahan. Bringing the auteur back, and I'll be there. This time it's called Sister Bambi. It's a five-issue miniseries, I believe, or four. Um, whatever the case, the cover price is three ninety nine, but you 
can reap the reward of being a DCBS subscriber and get it for $1.99. That's 50% off the cover price. And from Dynamite, David's heartthrob, Mr. Matt Wagner, along with Wilfredo Torres, bring the shadow to you. This is called Shadow Year One Omnibus. $29.99 cover price. It's a big book, but you can take it home for $14.99. And last but not least, we've been harping on this forever because it is it is awesome. It's one of the uh, best series of last year and continues to eclipse a lot of stuff this year as well. From Jeff Lemire, Matt Kent, Paulo Rivera, and Joe Rivera, it's The Valiant, the complete miniseries. Trade paperback, get this, $9.99 cover price. Now, you know what I'm going to say. You can bring this home for $4.99. more than a single issue would have cost you. That is downright insane. It's crazy. DCB Service does not mind late orders or order additions. And uh, service with a smile. You get it delivered right to your door. They are the absolute best. DCBService.com. It's, uh, it's funny that you mentioned Mr. Matt Wagner because today um, – Diana Schultz is uh Diana Schultz is retiring as an editor I from know. Dark Horse. So uh yeah. Comic Book Resources had an interview with her and um there's a picture from like nineteen eighty five or something with her and Bob Shrek and um Dean from uh Eclipse Mullaney Mullaney. Dean Mullaney. And uh and there was a, a very fine Kevin Matchstick looking figure in the background wearing a um a Batman t-shirt and it was, it was Matt Wagner looking young and with hair. And it was, uh, I was, I, I needed a moment. <laughs> you got you go to the men's room. I, well, I, I have my little corner cubicle, so I was okay. I just, I put my not available sign up and I was. Dude, not in the office. You don't, you know, <laughs> that, that's disgusting. That's disgusting. Is David needing bread? <laughs> Smell tires burning. Do you do you guys have any um, thank yous? I do, I do. Wow, I do. Uh, I have to thank Mr. Christopher Stark. Uh, there was a uh, there's something that came in the mail over the weekend. Um, completely blew me away, um, and it is a uh, it is paper. It is the Thor annual. With three stories, um, one written by Jason Aaron, um, one written by uh, Noel Stevenson, and the big story, although it is at the end, uh, the one I've been dying to read is by Mr. CM Punk, uh, former professional wrestler CM Punk, and and uh, AKA Phil Brooks. Yes, and they were at um, they were challengers at a signing, and. Um, and so Chris had Mr. Punk sign a uh, the variant cover by uh, Mr. Rob Lurie, who um, signed to Dap CM Punk. It's a cool looking cover because it is Thor versus a masked Hulk in a um, in a wrestling ring. Uh, there's down at the bottom it says editor's note: this does not happen in this issue, and it doesn't. But it's a very funny cover. Um, there's, you have CM Punk's autograph. I have CM Punk's autograph to me 
on, on a variant Thor annual. Cover. That's there nuts. Is, there is in the background in, in the crowd scene. There are some signs up. One of them is uh, Logan six one six or six sixteen. Uh, one says Hammer Time, and it's got Thor. It's got Mjolnir on it. But there is a um, there is a young woman. I'm guessing it's a young woman because low cut t shirt. Um, with breast assistance and, and wearing a Spider-Man mask and her sign says, I pinned a bone saw. And I, I saw that and I laughed. But yes, it is a, uh, I'll, I'll, Such a mark. I'll get into, <laughs> I'll get into the, uh, the issue during, during the show. But thank you very much, Chris. It is, it's, it's flipping awesome. And I found I think, out, I'm sorry. I, no, I think that's the best gift ever. It's up there. It's, it's it, pretty damn it close. Is, it is. Um, it's, uh, I found out though, it's interesting, when, um, normally when I get Marvel codes, I figured, you know, I, when you input the Marvel code on the redeem page and you go to Comixology or the Marvel app to read the comic, you know, you, you, you see the cover. And because this is a variant, I thought maybe that, uh, I would get the variant cover in my library, but no, it's, it's the actual standard regular newsstand direct market edition cover. So I just, that, that was weird. I, I figured if that's the version you purchased, then that would be the version that, that that code would unlock or, or that would, that cover would be in your library, but no. So that is another whole, um, you know, digital versus paper that that's another perk. If you buy the physical copy, then that's you, you have that cover. The people who get the digital codes or buy the comics to get the digital codes, they do not benefit from the variant covers. And, and I, I'm okay with that. I, there are certain perks that you should have depending on which version you want to read. And I'm, um, it was strange not seeing it in the library, but I was cool not seeing it in the library. There you go. I'm, I'm stunned. At what? Ser- seriously, the UFC on Punk's autograph. I know. That is like so tailored to your tastes. It's silly. And, uh, and Phil looks good as he's training for his uh looks real good. UFC match training. Yeah. He does. But didn't he get a knock on his ass? He did. Well, that's okay. That, I, I'm I'm okay with that too, because you who wants to really you kinda gotta you gotta pay your dues. I if if he went in, in and just, and, yeah. If he went in and wiped the floor with the guy, right. you would you would be like something's right. Right. He he's cut up, man. Real cut up. Yeah. yeah. He's looking good. Almost as good as you, Vince. Almost. Nah, almost. That's Vince's loss. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. So uh let's do some comics. Actually, what's Vince should drinking? We? we should. What did you say, Dave? What's Vince drinking? Oh yes, we forgot all about the drink roll call. I am drinking mass quantities of Yingling. Nice. When the cats yeah. away, the mice shall play, huh? I got at least four of them here. Wow, I, it's gonna I, be an interesting uh, night. I, I plan on on finishing them all. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> You're ready for belching. Yeah. Or other stuff. Mm. All kinds of giddy. <laughs> what do you drink, Jason? <laughs> Seriously. I I am drinking Diet Dr Pepper, but I may have to, I may have to I may have to audible and and run up and get some some, think, some grape. Yeah, I think you should. Uh, I am. Um, Finishing a glass of Besiege, and I'm going to follow that up with the last of the Menage a Trois Midnight I have sitting next to me. Mm. So fitting that you drink Menage a Trois while the three of us are chatting. Right? Conceptual continuity. Right? That's what it is. Just like Captain Steubing. Well, I don't know about that. (laughs) Captain Stavin? Yes. 
Captain Stabbing. I love of him. Of course you do. Yes. <laughs> that, some of the, well, let's not go there. Um, let, I've been waiting to talk about this. Yeah, you have. I, I even had a dream about yeah, it. Yeah, even. That's you, crazy that you had a dream about it. I, I'm baffled by that, but. I, I don't dream. And, and I. Just not I, Well, I, let me clarify that. I do dream. I just don't allow myself to remember them. Uh, upon waking. Very, very rarely. I have to be extremely tired or, um, inebriated. And I don't get drunk. So, um, when I had the dream, it's, it was significant, right? Because it's on my mind. And I, I l- look at how much work went into this thing and it breaks my heart. It's gorgeous. And, but, but we'll, but we'll talk about it. Um, it is from CME Originals. Creative Mind Entertainment. Yes. CMEComics.com um, is the website. That's what I was just going to say. Um, it is a collection, books one and two, of a book called The Gifted, written by Damien A. Wassel, art by Nathan C. Gooden. Beautiful art by Nathan C. Gooden. Yes. It is, um, uh, the production, uh, quality on this book is really, really high. I mean, it's square bound, Glossy cover. The paper stock is very, th- it, it's thicker than normal. Yeah. There's a, there's a nice weight, nice weight to this paper. I'm surprised um, it's a $20 book actually. Seriously, this is, if this was Marvel, this thing would be $34.99 easy. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Um, Cause it's it, also slightly it, larger than a, uh, a traditional comic book, isn't it? Yes, yeah. it is. Yeah. But, um, in a nutshell, it's it's a uh, post-apocalyptic type story where humanity has exploited the planet to the point where uh, it's the the visuals of the planet mirror what has been done to it. It's been turned gray and lifeless, uh, relatively lifeless. Uh, all the color has been leached out. Um, the uh, there's not too many humans around at least we don't get to see many in the in the uh in the story and uh it's a tale of a, a lone wolf just trying to survive in this um not so friendly atmosphere uh and he meets up with a bear uh and and eventually a, a raven but i'm selling it short because the the book is Almost entirely wordless. It should be wordless. Well, no, there's really not a whole lot of dialogue in this book. There's a couple of hunters and, and it was really nice because extremely well done. The hunters speak phonetically. Right. As if we, right. Really. As if we are reading their, their, um, comments in the manner by which the wolf would perceive them like uh there's one line we have not seen a wolf in a while and it's spelled w-i for we have is h the a-e uh compressed i'm sorry blanking on what that is uh the not is n-a-t so it's phonetically you know it's a wacky uh, phonetically uh phonetic spelling um but i have to say the art it's really solid. Yeah. Um, it's, it's done in, um, gray tones and, and, and blacks. Uh, there's a, 
a beautiful fluid watercolor um, yeah, air watercolor, to yeah. air to it, uh, and the the artist, which uh, Nathan Gooden, makes excellent use of negative space. I was going to yeah. say it's it's very it's very pop art graphic, like it's 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 an image on a page with with almost all white or all black. It's not there's right. not a really almost no there's almost it. no background. Yeah, yeah, um, and it's that 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 magnificent use of negative space that kills me. What they did to this book. And, and when I say they, I'm assuming that the artist had very little input into the placement of the sound effects. Because in, in uh, this is just coming from me now. The other guys may have, uh, a, you know, different opinion. The, uh, the sound effects are done in really large point size sans serif type. <laughs> It looks at least some of them are sixty point. Yeah. I mean, these are huge, huge sound effects. Either black or white, depending on the uh, depending on the panel. Right, depending on the ground. Yeah, um, and in most cases, they're completely unnecessary. Yep. Um, there's like here's here's a page. There's a pig laying on its side. Gigantic type. Oink oink. We know the sounds a pig makes. Right. There's there's roosters and chickens, big point size, cluck cluck. There are cows, no. and, it, and it says moo moo moo. Like um, there's a, a a smokestack belching this disgusting uh, byproduct uh, into the sky, and it says chug. And it, and and the the point size is massive, and it's put over this this beautiful spatter that that the artist laid down. Uh, it doesn't obscure it, but it, it distracts you from it. Does. It does. And the, the wolf is sniffing, and right by his snout, sniff, sniff, he he's, comes upon a deer. Gigantic grr. Uh, it's, in, it, to me, the, the misuse of typography in this book single-handedly kills it. I just, I, I don't think it kills it. It hobbles it. It doesn't, it does not kill it because it, it I, I can't get past it. It, it, it takes the place of, there's no narration. You're not, there's no third person. There's no, there's nobody telling this story. So I get some of the sound effects, but I don't, that there are a lot of panels where they are completely unnecessary. And, and it, it really would be better, I think, as a, as a silent issue, even, I mean, the hunters look menacing as it is. We, we really, as neat, as nifty as, as their words are, I, you can also kind of get by without them. You, you, they have guns. You know, they're going to go after the wolf. So I, I think a silent, completely silent book would have been fantastic. Let the art tell the it's, story. Right. It's mostly silent anyway. Uh, well, yeah, except for the huge. The only one that I really kind of like is when he's howling at the moon. And it says rise. That's really the only kind of. Oh well, yeah, that that's necessary. And it's and it's 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 in the moon, so it's not it's not hiding anything. Um, the uh, and, and I've been with the art. There are a lot of spots that that reminds me of Jock. Oh yes, it's very much in in, okay. in the Jock. Right. Yeah, the Jock. Um, there, there's a bear. One the the wolf event. Uh, comes uh upon a bear and they get a little bit of a skirmish going and eventually uh become friends but the bear wakes up and he yawns the the, the image is of the bear rising 
and his mouth open, his tongue is out. He's yawning. And in perspective, yawn, like near his mouth. Yeah. It's, it, it's just, redu- it's redundant. You don't need it. Let the art do what the art is supposed to do. Uh, the, the raven flies by and goes, caw. Like, I'm, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's a, it's, this is a slight against the artist. All this fantastic work being put into this book and it's just, it's just defaced by all this disgusting type. It's, I, I don't know. I, I mean, obviously they're working together because this is their first book and if you read the, um, there's a, a, a chunky back matter that uh, goes into the creative process. I mean, it's like six to eight pages long. And um, supposedly the artist works from dark to light, which I really find hard to believe. But um, they, they and the, the uh, author really goes into the fact that they carefully plan the negative space. Yeah, to shit up with all the type. Like I, I, I hate. I really don't want to dump on this book, but from an artistic standpoint, as an illustrator, I would be heartbroken if something like this was done in my work. Jason's been quiet. Yeah. So, um, well, I, I think the the audience. Let's let's uh, finish out the the picture of this book. So, um, first of all, we should give a thanks to Creative Mind Energy because they reached out to us and sent us all copies of the book. Right, right. So, um, and, and that's an important point here because, um, I, I, that, that's a recent occurrence. Um, and mm-hmm. I had pre-ordered this book through previews a couple months ago. Cool. So I actually was all set to talk about this book last week, but we ran out of time. And then I'm glad that I didn't because you've subsequently gotten copies of it from the publisher and, and we have a much richer conversation. I pre-ordered it solely on the basis of the description. Um, and the cover art, which was that it was a, you know, post apocalyptic story, which you guys know I'm suckers for and, and the like. Um, yes. I, 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 I mean, I essentially, I, I split the bit here. I, I agree with both of you in the sense that, I mean, Vince is absolutely right that, um, you can't look at this book and not be aghast at the typography. And, and, and it's not even, it, it's, it's, uh, I guess maybe I didn't find it as surprising in the sense that I feel like, this is a fairly common occurrence with small press publishers, right? But I think in today's day and age, it's really hard to stomach because, I mean, any of us, myself included, could go to any number of websites and download a ton of interesting fonts for free. It's easy, and they look yes. they look they look eat better than this, which is it's just such a big blocky font. So I agree, the font is definitely um, an eyesore. But where I, I I can't agree is the idea that it it is anything more than an annoyance because um, I'm, I'm with David. I actually went back after hearing your strong views on the typography. I, uh, on the, the commute home today, just went back through the book without looking at any of the word balloons and, uh, or the typography. And I'm with David. I think this book would have been an absolute grand slam with no words at all. Seriously. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, I, I actually went through the book again and tried to picture it without the 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 fonts, mm-hmm. and it there's a there's a there's a a timber going through the book that is amazing, and you follow this wolf in in all his little adventures, and the, without the fonts, it's it's so 
rich and organic. Right. I mean, if you if you have a story set in nature, why would you put computer fonts? Yeah, over yeah, yeah. It, Even if it was yeah. handwritten, yeah. I mean, if it was, if it like, think about that. Rush, yeah, I mean, it just it would have. You could have kind of turned the the words like off of the the wolf's fur. You know, just 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 you could have done. It could have been a lot more creative, a lot more designy, and but it it just it makes it cold, and it it almost right. stops you from just everything else about it is so. It, it's not like this is. Um, this isn't angular artwork. There's no, there, there are very few like right angles and, and for a font, a, a, a cold industrial font like that to go against some, a, a very like, like you're talking about nature, a very, very flowing and, and animal centric story where there's nothing but fur and, and, and soft curves. It, it just, it almost negates it. it it's, right. it's a very, um, but I mean, in terms of story, I think it's very compelling. It's, I mean, Absolutely. as you said, it's about these animals and essentially the wolf is, is, uh, it's named the gifted because the wolf, the, the animals in question are essentially imbued with a higher consciousness. And again, whether that's allegorical or meant to be that some kind of deity or God gives them the power. I mean, that's all, I guess, subject to artistic interpretation. But, but in this post-apocalyptic world, uh, these animals are essentially given consciousness in order to fight back. And to maybe give mm-hmm. the Earth an, another chance, and uh, I really did think it was a, a, a wonderful book, absent the typography issue. And uh, for what, as I understand, it to be genuine startup small press, I have to give these guys a lot of credit. Sure, yeah. um, yep. There's a lot right here. Um, also, not making an excuse for it, but my understanding is that the CME is a group of four people. It's uh, Damien. Uh, Wassel, the, the writer is, uh, is, is the father, his two sons and his nephew, Nathan, who is the artist, are, are, are the people behind this company. Damien is the creator and backer of the company. Essentially, he's a, he was a, he's a retired executive who's always wished to tell stories and this is his, in his retirement, he's, he's giving it a go here. So, uh, you know, I, I think that, uh, that's a lot, that's pretty cool to be applauded and, and, uh, and, and I think they could have done a heck of a lot worse for their first effort. You know? The um, it's because of this book. It's um, CME is now a company that, as we read previews, I'm going to keep an eye out for. I just it's it's a very impressive um, package, and it's sturdy as hell. The other day, um, mm-hmm. and this arrived in the mail. Um, the other day, and I basically again pissed off at my post office or my or my mail carrier because this was the book that was inside that priority envelope that was jacked to shit right and and it's 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 a very um you can't tell that really that 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 this thing saw hell inside my mailbox so i i it's great packaging and and it's uh it's all fitting and if if i know you can give or take the uh take or leave these uh the whole comparison type um Analogies, but if I, as I'm reading it initially, um, I'm thinking about, um, Pride of Baghdad. So if you like that story, this is probably something that would be up your alley. Right, right. Now, now Vince, can I, I ask you a question? Just from a, yeah, uh, an artistic standpoint, you, you made a comment that you, you don't see how he goes from, from dark to light. Um, and, and I guess you're, you're getting the fact that he claims he is because in the back he takes us through his process. Yeah, it's that's working backwards. Well, I guess there's, what I'm asking there, is why 
since he comes out and says that this is his process, what is it about the the finished work that makes you like I guess question that he's telling the truth? Well, no, it's not. It's not about the finished work. It's if you're working dark to light, there's you have very little wiggle room. Oh, Whereas if, if you work light to dark, you can always go in and make something, make a light darker. You can't make a dark lighter. Mm-hmm. Not if you're, not if you're dropping those heavy blacks. You're not, you're not going to make that lighter uh, in, unless you use a process that would alert someone to the fact that you messed up. Oh, right. You know? Um, well, and, yeah, cause he said, I mean, he says because he, I, to, just to get to, so people know what we're getting at, he, he actually thought, walks us through his process and he says he uses indie ink. And a bunch of different, you know, trays of, of for different gradients. And he says he begins with the darkest ink first, generating the spot of highest contrast. From there, he moves down the gradient, applying hot, lighter and lighter wash until the page is finished. That's if he does work like that. That's that's working without a net, right? Um, right. You, well, don't you, you find do, that there's a little bit of raw looseness and, and confidence in this? I mean, there's there's oh, plenty yeah, of watercolor no, yes. blotches, and yeah. and I mean, it 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 feels. Very organic. I mean, put it this way. Exactly. I, I would love to watch this guy work at a con. I, I don't know if they're planning on hitting the con circuit, um, or, or whatever, but I would, I would love to see this guy lay down some, some, some They're in the, uh, they're, they're on the East Coast, right? Like Maryland or, or Virginia? Uh, uh because yeah, the Maryland is so. where, yeah, okay. Um, and, and from what I've read in the back matter, he's fast too. He does four pages a day. Yeah. But I, I, Bethesda, just to, Bethesda, Maryland, yeah. Just, just to clarify, um, I, I have to be completely honest. We were sent this book, right? As Jason said, if you, if you solicit my opinion, I'm, I have a, uh, I don't want to call it a duty, oh, but I have, I have to be honest. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and the type just fried me. The story yes. I think is great. Uh, there was a, there's a, a part where the hunters are pursuing the wolf and the hunters have a pack of bloodhounds. Yep. And the stuff that happens to the bloodhounds, as I'm reading it, I'm thinking, David is feeling this pain. Yes, I agree. I was actually, cause I had pre-ordered this and didn't think either of you guys were going to read it cause I knew it was obscure. And I'm reading this book for a moment. I did think the same thing. I thought, oh, David wouldn't like this book. <laughs> but, but the, there, there's also the, the culmination of this yeah. uh, pursuit will break your heart. Yeah. It, and it's an awesome scene. It's so simply done. It's, it's an object. That relates to the bloodhounds and it's, it's really, really well done and it tugs, it tugs at the heartstrings and I, I'm thinking, God, this, this is really great stuff. Mm-hmm. But it, the, 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 the typography just lends me to believe that I, I, I can't trust in the authenticity of the emotion when it's mussed up like that. Mm-hmm. I can't. It's just too distracting to me. Um, well, if anything, if, shout out, you know, maybe this conversation is an epiphany for ourselves and a reminder that we should shout out when typography is good. I mean, we do occasionally, but, but, but we, right. we take probably more than often than not, we, we in most comic readers take, uh, the lettering for granted. And, and well, we've because, even been accused at a time of, of, of not, I think the first year or two of the 11 o'clockers, we gave a best letterer award and we stopped doing that because it was hard to, to remember the distinctive moments in lettering. And I think we gave it to, uh, to workmen like every year. <laughs> but, yeah. but, but I, I, but yeah, I mean, I, I think this is a great illustration. Sometimes you can have the affirmation of some things in port by the absence of that thing. And, and in this case, I think the absence of quality lettering in this and how much it's a, a, a an eyesore to an otherwise terrific book is a reminder that we should be more conscious about celebrating when it's done right. But when it's, yes. when it's done right, it, 
you don't notice it. it exactly, it works, yeah. and and that's you but where and, and and when it's when it's bad is when it stands out, and that's when you call attention to it. And right. and there are times where I and and that's again the artist is during the the scenes that Vince was just talking about with the bloodhounds, and you you can tell. The dog is, is exhausted and sweating and, and I mean, you don't need the pant, pant underneath. You don't, you can see in his eyes that, you know, you don't need the whimper. And, and that is. Maybe this is a first time writer so excited to get his work on that, that he just felt compelled to, in his mind, contribute quote unquote more, worrying that a purely visual interpretation of his story wouldn't be seen as a writing achievement. I would love a director's cut of this then. Right. right, but 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 the art is so strong. Yes, it is. Uh, have just, confidence. I mean, shout it. out to Nathan. I, again, I I don't. It's not clear to me what else he's done, and he. I mean, I know he's he's an artist by trade, otherwise. But but this, uh, I, I think he genuinely has a, a bright future ahead of him, regardless of whether yeah. CME takes I, off or not. I there were there were good choices made for this book yes. because in the in the back matter, they originally had a an artist named Taylor Boyd. Right. Who yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. It regard it, it disregarded the fact that they wanted a cold and lifeless world and imbued his images with color, full spectrum color. Yeah. And while the images aren't bad, you, you look at these preview, uh, these uh, production images, and you think, "I'm so glad that they did not go with this person yeah. because it it would be a totally different story. It, it would work against the premise." Yeah. And um, if you know, if the people at CMA are listening, um. I'll be uh, available soon. So if you, if, you, if you need someone to help nice. your books Plug. look look great, hey. I, I, <laughs> I am looking forward to Dead Eye, which will be one of their upcoming. Uh, they're on, the, yeah, they're on the radar. I, uh, yeah, no, they they absolutely are. I um, I am I'm very. I definitely recommend it as as much shit as we're given the the typography. The, the story is one worth seeking out. I I, uh, I recommend it absolutely. I have to recommend it too. Um, and, and by the way, I will say that uh, Nathan Gooden uh, is a, uh, a Pratt Institute graduate. Uh, so shout out to our uh, good buddy Julian Lytle, who is also a Pratt Institute yep, graduate. Yep, yep, yep. It's true. I don't want to keep harping on the type, but <laughs> uh, you're familiar with uh, Sienkiewicz's uh, scra- scratchy, scribbly. Uh, typography style when he works within his images and he drops down a couple words, it, it actually has like a, uh, a, a flowing quality like smoke or, or even, the, even the way, the way Scotty, uh, Scotty's typography when, when he decides to do so, mm-hmm. that would, that would have worked something similar would have worked really well. Well, I'm, I, I was it, thinking of, like um, David said, brush. Pharaoh Dalrymple, um, I, I, yeah. I, I never got around to talking about it in great detail, but the wrenchies, his book from last year, which, uh, shout out to Hassan who gave it to me as, as a holiday gift, but it was great. And, uh, and, and Dalrymple is an, just an awesome letterer. He letters his own stuff and he just, he makes it part of the image, you know? Yep. And, uh, that book be part of the fabric of the story. Yeah. That yeah. book, um, I get the creator's name escapes me. I apologize, but beautiful darkness, which was my, uh, OGN of the year last year yes. and was recommended to us from by, uh, by Gabe and Karina. Um, that too. I mean, I just vividly remember how much the, the, uh, the the topography just I mean literally was 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 embedded into the to the page as just part of the art uh, it just was was just perfectly natural extension of it so um, yeah I mean th- those are examples of when it when I think people get it right Ryan Brown does I mean 
Brownie, because he, you know, he does a comedy book and the type and the lettering is hilarious and it's part of the book, right? The sound is, 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 is part of the composition of the page. Yep. Even Tom Scholey. Mm-hmm, uh, absolutely. Who, you know, yeah. who's, who's not, not primarily known for his typography. Mm-hmm. He, he has a grassroots, um, seat of his pants type of, of lettering right. that I feel, I feel meshes really well with his style of drawing. You know where you um, see this more often? I mean, this was an egregious version, but you see it quite often in indie books when, you know, they'll have the word balloon and it's like the word balloon doesn't, and then the, 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 the words inside the balloon clearly don't fit the word balloon yes. itself, right? Right, right. It's like they haven't figured out how to make different balloons or how to shape the balloon to actually fit the text that they're putting in there. You see that a lot, it seems. Yeah. There, there's a, an art to the white space within a balloon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, even more props to, to Gooden. He, it's not cartoony at all, but he manages to eke expression out of the facial features of the animals yep. in, within the story. So without getting cartoony, that's really difficult to do. But he, he, like when the wolf is in pain, you can feel it. When the bear is angry or, you know, tired, like I said, you, you, you can perceive that. That's hard to do. And it's in there. It's, I, I they just need more confidence. Maybe this is uh, a little stumble at first, and and the the next book will be gangbusters. So I'm I'm they're on the radar, like David said. Agreed. Yep. See, look at that. That was a, a nice unexpected discussion about typography. I I'm not a huge typography fan. Um, I have uh, people I know love to point out egregious uses of typography. Like I'm not a, a, a type snob, but when it's used, when it's misused to the degree right. that that we have experienced, well, I know Ron that, uh, Ron Richards is uh, is a huge font snob. <laughs> that does not surprise <laughs> me at all. <laughs> and while we're t- while we're rattling off a bunch of random friends, uh, shout out to our buddy Zach Crusay. Yeah, the, uh, big life change that hope we hope is uh, is leading to bigger and better things. Yep. Never know how he managed to bamboozle them, but yeah. And speaking of big life changes, how about Ross Campbell? How about Ross Campbell? That's pretty cool, right? I think so. I mean, it's well, let me let me clarify. It's cool that we are now in a world where someone can come out as as transgender in a public medium like Twitter. And for all the storm and drang we give social media and how much there's haters and, and, and there's been so many stories I feel like in the comic and pop culture world in the last few months about the bad examples of social media and how, you know, people attacking female artists or literally, you know, you, there's been a million stories. How I, I think it was a nice reminder that of why we're fans of, of social media broadly, which is that, you know, a guy that's well known in the industry comes out as transgender to the world before he comes out to his own family. And as far as I can gather from both his follow-up and what I've seen of, of, of our own comics feeds, it was a widely near universal support and admiration for the guy's choices. Mm-hmm. Or, or I shouldn't say the guy's, that's insensitive, but his choice, uh, his choice, <laughs> you know, but, but, uh, but that's pretty cool. I mean, cause honestly that, that wouldn't have been possible even what five years ago? Yeah. No, you're. Right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I, I say it all the time, and I'm just going to say it again because I, I, I really believe this. When you leave this this plane of existence, I'm. I really doubt that your soul takes the gender along with it. 
it's unnecessary, right? right? If 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 you believe in a soul and you believe in an afterlife, why would you need a gender? You, so you know, you you're, yeah. you're not. Well, who's to say you can reproduce? Who's to say you even have a corporeal form? You you could you could just be intelligence. So intelligence or 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 sentience doesn't need a gender, right? And it it's irrelevant. It should be irrelevant here. Who cares what you got in your pants? I don't. Not at all. You're a human well, I being. Care what you got in your pants, but. It's not much, not much at all. That's dude. why I care. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, I, <laughs> were you in an accident? No, where's the rest of it? Yeah. Like I didn't know you were Irish. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's coming from an Irish guy, so and Japanese. Uh, now that we've offended pretty much, you know, half of <laughs> know. our listeners, let's do some more comics. Let's move on. All right, Jason. Uh, I, I read something that uh, I intentionally kept from you guys. Um, a because I'm I'm 99 sure neither of you have this work yet, and and uh, and B because I I think there's a good chance both of you, but certainly Vince, have experienced at least a component of this work in its prior form. Hmm. Um, I read the fantastic collected edition from Alaxis Press. Uh, it's by, uh, the creators are, are Shootin' and Peters, mm-hmm. and it's The Obscure City's The Leaning Girl. Does, does oh, that really yes, bell for you, yes. I, I think I did the Kickstarter for that. Yes, yes, you did. This is the Kickstarter. Well, why didn't I get mine? I, I don't know. What the hell? Okay. It's W. <laughs> um, Damn it! Go ahead. So th- this, uh, the reason I say that that I thought Vincer and David may have known this before is that this is a, a this is an Eng- the first one well, no, This is an English translation of a part of a Bon Dessine book, uh, which again for for those that aren't familiar, Bon Dessine is essentially Belgian comics. There, there is a very long-standing, wonderful, rich history of graphic novels in Belgium. And, uh, and, and most of them, uh, were French at, and Dutch adaptations that, uh, that continue to this day to be very popular, um, form of fictional work to, that done in, uh, in Europe and consumed in, in Europe largely. Uh, these guys created this, uh, this obscure cities world, uh, in the early eighties. And essentially it was their exploration of, uh, pretty cool concepts, um, like string theory and quantum physics. Uh, and, and counter earths. And it's just, it's very, the fact that this book is, is nearly 30 years old, it's very timely and a nice juxtaposition against what's going on in, in the top of the mainstream comics world now, where you've got, uh, the looming secret wars, which is essentially all about all these different earths and dimensions collapsing onto one. And then you've got DC's convergence and, and there's that rich history of, of, of alternate realities that is being played out at both big two now. So, it's cool to see something like this, which is so far afield, both in terms of its commercial appeal, its stylization, its approach, but it essentially is is a comic dealing in the same type of thing, which is this idea of the similarities of 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 of, of alternate dimensions and uh, and and the like. Um, what's fascinating about this, and as much of the as the work is is the choice in making this particular volume. Um, the leaning girl is actually the sixth of it's the sixth in a, in a, uh, a long series of graphic novels that they did together, uh, in and around this obscure cities concept. 
Um, I, I am not sure why they chose to do this one, why they started with the sixth and the continuity, other than I presume it's one of their favorites or they think it's, it's, you know, a great, I, I honestly don't know. Maybe, maybe you've heard, read a little bit about why the whys of that, Vince, but, but in, in any regard, I can say confidently having never experienced any of the other, uh, obscure city stuff that, that, that the fact that this is the sixth in the series is irrelevant. It's, it's got a beginning, middle and end. Um, unto itself. So, so it's perfectly satisfying. Um, I, I hasten to explain exactly what it's about because it's such an important part of the story. But the, the way it's done is, 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 is unlike just about anything I've ever read. Um, it's got super tight, unbelievably detailed architectural yep, features. That's, that, that's his hallmark. Yes. Yeah. And, 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 and beautiful rendering. Uh, I mean, I mean, this is, a, this is, this is, um, so, so, and it, so that the part of the book, the main part of the book, the leaning girl is, is, is drawn that way in a traditional comic form. Again, with, with just hyper detailed architectural features and, and the architecture is familiar, but different. They're, they're in a, again, it's a, it's a counter earth. It's, it's similar to our earth, but it's, it's, it's somewhat in the future. It's almost steampunkish. If, if I don't think they were, there was such a thing as steampunk back in the early eighties when they did this, but, but it, 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 to a modern eye, it would probably be considered steampunk in some ways in that, you know, they've got vehicles that are steam powered and, and, and or big iron cast iron ships and stuff. It's, so it's almost like 50 sci-fi, but then at the same time, uh, they're dressed in Victorian clothes and, and, uh, and the like. Um, it, it's the, the story is about this girl, Mary and Mary and her family are clearly privileged and they go to visit a, a, a different city state in this world. There are these different city states and they go to visit one where there's a giant amusement park uh, in a city of the future. And while they're on one of the rides, something happens where afterward she begins leaning like at a 30, 40 degree angle. Uh, so much so that when she tries to write herself or they try to write her, she loses her balance and falls. So something's happened that's essentially made her crooked. Um, and, uh, and she has a journey from there because, uh, she's not accepted for this. People think she's putting on a show. She's trying to, she's trying to, uh, somehow, uh, bring attention to herself. Uh, so her family gets fed up with her. They send her to a boarding school. That doesn't work. Uh, she's abused there. So she ends up on the streets. She ends up in a circus. But she's always on this journey to understand why she's leaning because no one else is and, and she, she can't understand it. Um, so meanwhile, there's this parallel story of these group of scientists who are crafting, uh, a space journey, uh, to try and find other worlds. And, and those things all intersect within the main part of the story. But the way that this book really makes itself stand out is, uh, every few chapters uh, in between the traditional comic form, there is a, uh, a photo novella. It's, it's, it's not, um, what's, it's, it's not, uh, Fumetti. It's, it's not that. It's actually just, just photographed, uh, portraits that, that are meant to tell a story about a artist. And the artist is essentially wandering through this empty, world until he comes upon an empty house and begins painting all throughout the house. And it seemingly has no connection to the main comic story until it does. And again, I won't give away how, but, but it all does connect by the end of the book. 
damn you, you're killing me. Why? Because I want this. Why don't I? Why didn't I get it? Oh. I want to read this now. Yeah. So so it all connects beautifully, and <laughs> and um, and 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 it's just it's a wonderful thing. So again, you, you have this visually arresting uh, photo photos, which are done. They're 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 supposed to be set from in the late 1800s, even though they're they were taken in the 1980s. And uh, and and then these these two different visual worlds become one at some point in the story, and then we go on from there. And um, it's uh, like I said, it's like nothing else I've ever read. Um, it, it I, I I was so intrigued by it, I came to to look more into it. And uh, the reason I suggested you guys may have been familiar with this ahead of time is that uh, not only was it serialized in Bond SNA form in in Europe, but it was brought to the U.S. in heavy metal. In chapters, uh, what year does it say? No, no, I could probably I didn't write it down, but but the, it was there were it was serialized in in Metal Hurlant and then Chevelle Noir, um, and then uh, NEM Publishing had English versions of the first six OGNs, but they all went out of print in the uh, aughts. Like I think I have a couple of them. Yeah, yeah. So I think 2002 was the last time that one of those was printed in the U.S. So as Vince mentioned, they I I came across all this in a Kickstarter. And was, was intrigued. So I, I did the Kickstarter and, uh, and, and Alaxis Press is a new publishing company created to bring these to life. My understanding is that the Kickstarter was, was a big success and that this book is well received enough that they are planning on putting out more volumes and I will definitely be on board for them. Um, but I highly recommend this book. Again, pause button or the, the mute button, buddy. Oh, sorry about that. Uh, That's okay. I, I highly recommend this even just for the art. It, it, it by itself, regardless of whether there was a story, it'd be worth having. Uh, the, the 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 production quality is second to none. It's a giant. It's it's a treasury sized uh, format. It's a couple hundred pages. The it's got huge. Talk about paper quality. It's a, a it's a very thick toothed paper. Very very thick. Um, and the the line work is impeccable. Um, mm. This is the kind of line work that I just think people will gush over, especially fellow comic creators. I would think this is a guy that they must. Have great appreciation for. So, absolute home run. Um, I don't know if you can get this book other places. Um, hold on. Uh, actually, you can. You can get it on Amazon. So, there you go. So, The Leaning Girl uh, by Shootin' Peters uh, from Alexis Press. It's it's an absolute no-brainer, and I can't wait to see more. And and one last thing about it, which is, is another fascinating aspect uh, as they were creating this world, I guess because it was fairly popular in Europe and it was serialized over a bunch of years, they, in the introduction to this this collection, they talk about how uh, essentially they got lots of fanfic over the years, um, you know, different anecdotes, stories, pictures, drawings, or whatever. And this woman started writing them, claiming to be Mary, who is the, the main character in the story. Oh, and man. She, and these letters would come with these vivid... Uh, explanations of the things that have happened and it t- clearly this woman is likely either mentally ill or you know playing some sort of game but these guys rather than take it for what it was they embraced it sure. and over time began working her letters and stories into the narrative of the future books oh, that is amazing and and i think that's probably one of the reasons they chose this sixth volume although i, I don't know for sure if we ever get a chance to meet these guys or I see it in an interview, I'll, I'll, I'll clarify, but I suspect that they chose this book because 
it was largely formed by the history she laid out to them of her childhood as Mary. And within the book, the, the, the story is told from her perspective in handwritten, uh, speaking of topography, in, that's the theme of the night, in, in hand, in, in cursive. It's, it's written in cursive as though it's this woman's letters. And I'm not sure, but I suspect these are passages from this real life, quote unquote, Mary's letters to them. And they worked it all into this volume, which is just amazing. So you've got three different elements of, of this world that they bring together. Life instigates art and vice versa. Yeah. That's incredible. So get on that. That just added a whole nother wrinkle. Yes. To, it's really, really fascinating. This. It's, it's, yeah. uh, again, I, I much like the gifted. I, I bought these things largely sight unseen. And, uh, and it, while the gifted, as we dissected quite in a detailed manner, has, has some redeeming qualities, but it's false. This was an absolute grand slam. I, I, I think, uh, uh, you know, I can understand why it's, it's been a beloved Bond SNA for 30 years. I believe the NBM books I have, um, are part of this series. Right. Well, like I said, they, they, they published the first six vo- volumes in, in OGN or in, in graphic novel format, um, Mm-hmm. Back in the late '90s and early 2000s, but if memory serves, they're not treasury size, and I can only imagine how well that showcases his uh, line work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. All right, I'm going to investigate why this is not on my shelf. Maybe it is. Maybe I got a box around here somewhere. I just didn't even open it. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, yeah, mayhap, mayhap. David, you want to go? Uh, yeah. Let me talk about that Thor annual real quick. Um, cool. Well, what might be real quick. Uh, I mean, this thing is full of just goodness. I see him punk aside. The main story is illustrated by Mr. Tim Truman Woot. and it looks amazing. Uh, main story is written by Jason Aaron. It is, uh, it's about King Thor. There are three Thors in this, in this, uh, annual, uh, it's King Thor's birthday and his granddaughters want to give him a gift. um, and, uh, so Midgard is involved and, uh, is of course, grandpa likes to visit. Um, and there are neat little, uh, comments here and there. There are, um, not advisors, but there are three gentlemen who, well, I don't even know if they're gentlemen, but there, there are three people who want to, uh, meet with King Thor, um, and they, they mention things like, uh, the Eater of Worlds is coming, uh, dressed in all black. So that, of course, reminds you of, um, Thor God of Thunder's final arc. Uh, someone says hell is overcrowded. So there's a lot of dying going on. And, and one of them says that the, uh, the Kriar have been spotted. So I'm guessing in the future, the Kree and the Shi'ar end up, uh, somehow, um, bumping ugly. Yeah. Uh, while on Midgard, back on Earth, apparently Thor named a river that has since dried up. He named that river Don. And, uh, and when his granddaughters try to give him a, um, a birthday present, uh, it, it, it kind of works. It goes against the laws of nature and pretty much everything, uh, holy or pure, but it's the thought that counts. And there is a, um, there's an appearance by a couple that uh that Thor names uh Jane and Steve. Which Aww. yeah, so it's it 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 not quite in the fields, but it's it's close. Um 
Noel Stevenson and, uh, Marguerite, uh, Savage Day or Savage, they, uh, they tell the story of the current Thor. Uh, basically she's being dared by the Warriors three, primarily, um, Fandral. And he, uh, he is taunting her and, and basically there were things that Thor used to do that, uh, if she's truly worthy, uh, then she can prove it to them and, and go ahead and do these same, um, tasks, challenges that, uh, that the previous Thor, uh, that he undertook years ago. Uh, so that's, that's funny. That's amusing. Uh, he does call her Lady Thor so that they, they are still getting all the Thor and Thoritas out of their system as, uh, as her story is, is playing out. And I believe today the sixth issue came out and that's, uh, or the fifth issue where, we continue the mystery, so I have to read that soon. Um, the final story, which is probably, uh, it's hard to say it's my favorite because of the, the first story, but it's, it's a, it's a funny story. It, it's about young Thor. This is the Thor who was, uh, not worthy to, uh, yet wield Mjolnir. Um, and he's drunk pretty much throughout the entire, the 10 page story. And, uh, it's, um, he, he he goes ahead and and he decides to like he'll um he outdrinks Hercules while standing on his head. Uh, he he outdrank frost giants and trolls and and he figures that getting getting drunk, getting completely shit faced and blitzed that that will make him worthy, and he'll be able to uh, then go and and pick up the hammer. But while Thor is getting drunk with the warriors three and they're trying to keep up, Loki is also hanging out with them. Um. He of course is tired of, of, uh, Thor's shenanigans and, and, uh, while he is getting ready to leave the bar, he opens up the door and smacks Mephisto right in the face with it. And so now Mephisto is, is here because he, he traveled through time and he's going to basically take care of Thor before Thor, um, is too powerful for him to stop. And, uh, that's, um, that's when Loki decides to get even with Thor and kind of, uh, take care of this potential, um, challenger. Um, and there is a lot of drinking involved, more drinking. There are drinks that, uh, with names like the Gamma Slamma, which isn't a green, which, which is a green drink, but the, the shot glass or the tumbler looks like, uh, it looks like it's wearing purple pants. There's the cosmic ray, which is served in a miniature helmet of Galactus. Uh, the ultimate drink of fire, which of course comes in a glass that's shaped like the ultimate nullifier. There's Odin's beard, which is literally ale soaked hair. And they all, Thor and Mephisto are, are, uh, taking turns and, and, uh, doing shots of, of, of these drinks. Um, there are, it, it's it's somewhat of a happy ending, although Thor does try to go and and lift the hammer, but that uh, he ends up basically vomiting all over himself and and doesn't meet that challenge. But it 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 wraps up pretty nicely. It all in all, it was a um it it it's what an annual kind of should be. If if you're there are annuals that can tell stories or or that can tell crossover stories like uh, the. Uh, the executioner song and, 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 and there are 
or bloodlines. You could have annuals do certain things, but when uh, when you just kind of have a few stories that you want to tell um, about a character or that that don't really fit in whatever the ongoing uh, story is, then, then then annuals definitely serve a purpose. And I think this one definitely serves a purpose for everybody who was worried or or not not so much worried, but um, complained. Or, or felt that, you know, who's this wrestler to come in and, and, you know, write a, a comic book. The dude had 10 pages to work with. It was one of three stories in an annual. It was a really funny story. Uh, he, he, he has a handle. I, we haven't seen a lot of young pre Mjolnir Thor, um, before Aaron kind of started writing Thor. And, and I thought, I thought Phil did a really good job with it. it it's a, um, it, it's a neat little, uh, story, but overall, I think the annual is definitely something that, uh, that you should check out. If, if you, especially if you're not sure how you feel about the new Thor and you miss, um, what Aaron was doing with the previous Thor, this will, um, this will fill that void for you. I, 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 uh, I definitely recommend it. It was, it was a great issue. It's ironic that, uh, a guy who's, Notably, straight edge would be pretty <laughs> funny on the on the alcoholic drink stuff, right? Yes, yes. Hmm. I was going to say, what a change from the days when the annuals were shunned yeah. as uh, you know and disregarded as unnecessary. There was a time, oh, yes, uh, basically mid eighties to uh, you know maybe mid nineties, even towards the end of the nineties, when uh, the annuals were just like, oh well, I'm just going to skip that. Right. If I have money, maybe I'll pick it up. Whereas, you know, the first ten or so years of Marvel annual oh, were awesome. awesome. Yeah, Frank Miller drawing he, uh, spectacular or the Spider-Man annual with with Spidey and Doctor Strange. Oh my god! Yeah, but the annuals eventually became the tryout books. Yes, for Marvel yeah. and 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 a lot of DC too. If they had well, new guys, they were lines, there. Like I said, or or even uh, yeah, Dusty Abel drawing Armageddon two thousand one annuals. I mean, they were. Yeah, they were beautiful, but you either had you either had the annuals where, Mar- with Marvel especially, um, the X Men books fine. You know, you have four X titles; they can all tell a story, they can all cross over. Same thing with the Spidey books, but then you have like Fantastic Four and Avengers, or you had Punisher and Daredevil, and like Moon Knight would would cross over with each other. But over on DC side of things, you would have that'd be their summer event, and you would have Armageddon two thousand one. Or Eclipso. I mean, they were just right. Yeah, but yeah, I, I enjoyed annuals. That was annuals were the events, and and they really didn't have as many events either going on with their ongoing titles or um, as separate miniseries. If it, and that was that's the other thing about the annuals. Then, like you were saying, is that they were you could you could still go ahead and read Superman every week with the four issues and not worry about Superman's annuals because those stories didn't overlap. They didn't cross over. Right. Right. I used to have a rule of thumb. If once the annuals started crossing over, if the, if the characters involved were from books that I didn't buy, yep. I would not buy any of the annuals. Sure. Yeah. It was easy to do. Whereas these days, everything crosses. over. Yeah. So my turn, huh? Go for it. Well, Last week I talked about the humans. Yeah, you did. Yeah, I did. And at the risk of being known as the the ape guy, uh-huh. I'm gonna do more more monkeys. This I might week. have a monkey book. Nice. 
This is from Boom. Ten years strong. <laughs> Boom has been publishing for ten years. I know. It seems like yesterday. Um, it's written by Michael Morici, illustrated by Dan McDade, colors by Jason Wardy, letters by Ed Dukeshire. Uh, all the covers I have were produced by the amazing Christopher Mitten. I, I adore Christopher Mitten. The, the shapes that this dude gets out of his brush are amazing. Uh, it's called Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Yeah, it's it's actually a bridge between Rise and the second the sequel Dawn. Uh, Two films that are infinitely better than at least three of the original Ape series. Uh, But I digress. The uh, the events of this mini series, five issues, takes place two years after the events of Rise. So the contagion is rampant. Uh, or the the pa- the uh, pandemic, let's call it, is rampant. Uh, the numbers of Caesar's uh, group is rising. Civilization is in a shambles. You got isolated pockets of humanity just struggling to survive. That's it. Uh, and Caesar and his apes are building a new status quo. But some of the uh, members of his group, like the uh, scarred. Pope, he's a chimpanzee who was abused by his human captors. He doesn't think uh, Caesar's approach is a good one. Um, he criticizes it for being too human-like um, and is taking steps to subvert Caesar, which is never good, right? Right. But the, the main focus here is a dude named Malcolm, a human named Malcolm. He's the, the character uh, Jason Clark played in the sequel. Uh, an engineer who's trying to keep his family alive and out of harm's way, but Malcolm gets kicked in the balls a couple of times in this miniseries. Uh, first, uh, his wife is, reveals that she has the uh, contagion. She's got the, the fatal disease, which for which there is no cure. Uh, and so Malcolm's going to be left alone with his young son, Alex. Uh, and to make matters even worse, the apes and the pandemic are not the only threats in this world. There are uh, human kidnappers, scum, who are rounding up survivors and selling them into, uh, well, we don't know, but um, it can't be good, right? So suffice to say, the outlook for Malcolm and his family is very bleak. Uh, I think it's a great miniseries because it preys upon all of the themes that we've encountered in the Planet of the Apes movies that uh, uh, the concept of race is always brought up and xenophobia like there are apes that hate humans for what they've done they've been abused and um, there, there are humans that fear the apes and they look at the apes as, as, as carriers of the contagion and well as most of us do is like vicious, uncontrollable animals. Uh, but there's a senti- there's an intelligence behind a lot of these apes that um, the humans, you know, disregard on first sight. But there's a really cool juxtaposition between Malcolm and Caesar. See, Caesar now has a child named Ash, and so he has similar concerns as Malcolm. Like, how do I protect my my kid? How do I protect my family? This is a dangerous place. 
uh, in which we live. I, I got to make sure my, my blood is, is, is tended to. Um, but th- there's very different agendas and, and the mini series brings this to the fore, I think a lot better than the, than the movies. The, uh, the humans are fighting for survival, but the apes, the apes are fighting for freedom. They've been, they've been under, uh, humanity's thumb and, and treated like, like pets and, and, and sideshow acts and, and just, uh, basically slaves for, for profit for so long. And now they're free. What do they do? They don't know. Do, do, do we take Caesar's road and, and, uh, try and, and make a world for ourselves by not stepping on, on other life forms like they did to us? Or do you take Pope's, road and just slaughter everything that's weak and uh, might makes right uh it's a cool there's there's a lot to think about in this and dan uh mcdade's art it is spectacular Hoot. it's it's uh everything the art for a planet of the apes book should be it's savage and raw and and brushy and um nice thick marks and lines uh inky shadows i i think it's perfect um i have an extreme soft spot for planet of the apes always have uh when the hardmans were working on it and the the first uh incarnation of the books at boom back to the marvel days uh when with the black and white magazine and mike plug who they're, they're some of my favorite books ever this book does justice to that stuff i gotta give it up to boom um and I guess this is one of those weeks for second chances because initially, not having seen Dawn yet, I got to rectify that. I was a bit lost. Mm. Uh, the first issue of this thing, I'm like, who in the frig is Malcolm? Where, where's the characters from the first movie? Where they go? Um, with the apes are in here. It's just that uh, the humans un- uh, well, are not. Yeah, be, well, because it's at the end of the first one you had the virus being spread so i'm guessing that the second one takes place a while after the first one's over the second movie takes place 10 years okay after after the first movie the this mini series takes place 2 years so alex is uh maybe 11 12 years old in this in this book whereas in the movie he's much older obviously right. uh, he's a full grown man so uh no cool stuff um the one of the uh poachers, the the kidnappers, I got a little Texas chainsaw vibe <laughs> from him. He wears the flayed facial skin of uh an ape as a mask. It's really striking. Ex- extremely striking. And when you look at uh Pope, who um half of his body uh he looks to have been pressed against a chain link fence. He's got a crosshatch pattern uh pressed into his his uh, flesh he's a mess and you know justifiably he hates humans for what was done to him i think he was um uh, in a in a, a zoo or some other type of of uh uh traveling uh show where he was exploited for what he was and it, he's just he's got a grudge so who's wrong is it which one caesar or, or pope you it's tough to say right but uh, I believe you should investigate this book because it's uh, oh and Maurice, how how awesome is it that they they named that the 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 ginger ape Maurice after Maurice Mar- Doctor Zayas Maurice Evans that that's perf- perfect man 
Um, and uh, there's an ape named Bright Eyes, too. So it's a winner. Boom never has let me down yet with Planet of the Apes. They continue to be on a roll. They've done a great job. I mean, look at the creators involved. You've got I know. You've got Gabe yeah. and Karina. You've got Mr. Our buddy, Mr. Laming. Uh, there's been lots of great people involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was going to mention Mark as one of the uh, highlights of the run. There you go. Yeah. That is cool. Now we got a hum. Yeah. What's that mm-hmm. about? Jason, do you not hear that? I don't. So it must be me, right? Here you go. <laughs> well, I don't know what it is. I, I, I mean, I don't hear it. So that's the dynamo hum. Uh, let's talk, let's talk about other stuff. Uh, I, I have another second chance book that we can get into later. I, I know, uh, Mr. Wood <laughs> did not enjoy it. Oh. It's a trend with me. I'm bringing shit to the table you guys don't like. Yeah, I know. It's like, it's your new thing. It is. Hey, conflict breeds You're hard discussion. Man. No, I think we're always at our best when we're, when we're, it's all about the love. True, but a little bit of conflict is a good thing. Mm. Okay, Chris. A little bit of chaos. Chaos is good. No, I didn't say fight. <laughs> oh, and I would like to take this time because when this is released, it'll be tomorrow. I got to say happy birthday to Mr. Neeson. Damn Skippy. That's right. Yeah. What, what? Holla if you the, hear me. March 12th. The invisible fourth member of, of the show. Oh, cool. true. Hey. He's like, he's like Ghost Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Ghost Obi-Wan. Lord. <laughs> Speaking long- of, uh, yeah. Speaking of the apocalypse, um, did you guys have a chance to read East of West number 18? No. No. All right. I will save it. I will just say, read it, and okay. it's phenomenal. No surprise. No, no surprise. Right. Really? But we get uh, a glimpse into the earliest histories of Mr. Bell. Oh, shit. Wow. Okay. I got one um, that... David was uh, remorseful that we didn't read. Did you guys read um, Rumble, number three? Uh, I read it the day it came out. Okay, David read it. Thankfully, we get a little glimpse as to what's really going on. Yes. Shit. Love this issue. Oh, my God. I think it was the best one yet. I agree. From the the cover right on in. The cover is phenomenal. And his pet. His pet was chilling, waiting for him to come back. Ah, oh, that was so sad. It feels. And yeah, it, it 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 absolutely. I mean, it all. Little Hydra guy. It, it's it's a. Uh, it was it, it was strong. You know, if you had questions, if if you stuck through the first two issues and you're still scratching your head and you're like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. I'm I, I'm giving them one more issue, and if they don't start, you know, becoming correct and telling me what's happening, this was the issue for you. You. Um, mm-hmm. You you want to know about Scarecrow guy? This is it, and and it's uh, it it looked amazing, and I I I think as as great as Heron draws characters and 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 they're just normal everyday folk who who hang out at a bar, uh, whether they're a, a youngish kid or an old rummy, um, I think the the creatures, the demons, I he's shown on those pages. Those were oh, yeah. gorgeous. Yeah, but you got to give it up for our cootie too. Absolutely, because the dialogue was snapping. Yeah, Espe- especially the uh, the what's the bald guy's name? The the buddy oh. that 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 kept uh, horning in yes. in the conversation. He's like, "What are you doing?" You know, the the one liners were great. I thought it was. It was and I have a feeling that's who that's who homeboy's going to latch onto because barkeep 
kind of shrugging off any responsibilities he's feeling. Whereas the bald guy, buddy, uh, over there with the flame retardant aerosol cans, um, that seems he's going to be the liaison. He's kind of a, I don't know. I still can't read that kid. Yet. Right. Um, but, um, Mr. Kogan. Now there's something going on there. I, I would never have pegged him for the, uh, the antagonist in this thing. No, mm. I thought he was dead too. Right. Yeah. I mean, Harden's uh, art's ridiculous. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. It, it is. Um, and to think that he's doing this while he's working on BPRD or he may have done the, the latest BPRD arc before he jumped on this, but he has two books coming out concurrently. He's on a, on the latest, uh, uh, BPRD. I forget the name of the story, so forgive me, but that's how does one produce this level of artwork uh, on that kind of schedule? It's insane. Yeah. insane. And you're right about the dialogue because Arcudi makes uh Rothrock, that's how you say his name. Yeah. Hilarious in this when they're sitting in his little apartment and he's like, Oh yeah. He's like, uh, this has been explained to you moments past. Like, you <laughs> fool, I already told you that. And then like later on when he's like, uh, something to the effect of, uh, hey, what's the deal with your fellowship with that cretin, right? Yeah. Where's the hairy one? Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, but how does, how does he lift the sword though? Really? That's, I, that, that's where you're having. No, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just thinking. Did, 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 you're cool did, with the flame did, demon. You're cool with the. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm just, I'm just thinking that is a massive pig sticker. Like, how does he lift that if he doesn't have any, connected any, to, any form? Um, before I forget, it's, uh, you can, if you are enjoying, or if you're not enjoying it and still buying it, good for you, but you can, um, let Mr. Arcudi and company know your feelings on it. The uh, Rumble now has a letters column. There is, a, it's coming, uh, but you can, uh, send your letters, send your missives to, Scarecrowwarriorgod at gmail.com. I like that. I don't think anybody, I, like I don't lot. think you had to worry about anybody else grabbing that handle. And for as beautiful as Heron's line work is, I think he eclipses that in terms of character design. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the creatures and, and, and characters running through this thing are stunning. Um, they're, they're the kind of designs that you can give to anyone and you'll get a decent image back. Uh, it's just crisp, just beautiful design work. Uh, everything's in the right place. Nothing is, is, uh, um, there's no extraneous stuff. Uh, it's smart, smart design work. I love it. Agreed. Yeah. All right, Jason, I think it would be your turn. Wow, look at you all formal and stuff today. Seriously, right? You. I know, like, it's, it's, wow. Somebody, somebody's got to drive the bus. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> well, I know that Dap read this, uh, which is Spider Woman number five. Yes. Uh, written by Mr. Dennis Hopeless with uh, pencils by Mr. Javier Rodriguez. Uh, and colors. Recently. And colors, right? Um, so. You guys know I'm a big Spider-Woman fan. You are. Uh, I'm serious, he is. I, know, I am, I am. And for me, it was, she's been one of the more redeeming components of Bendis' Revengers run. And we've really fallen, I mean, she's been in it, but she she hasn't been much of a focal point of Hickman's run, uh, I mean, to be honest. Um, she was mostly in Avengers world. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
So I was excited when I'm a fan of Dennis's uh, yep. work. I was excited that he was getting a chance to helm a new Spider-Woman series. But if I'm being honest, um, I, I thought there were two things wrong with, with Spider-Woman, which was uh, they opted to launch the book smack dab in the middle of Spider-Verse. Agreed. So it was essentially the story of Spider-Woman and Silk in the Spider-Verse crisis. It was a spinoff book, um, which I don't think did it any favors from a, a launch standpoint. And two... As much as I enjoyed Spider-Verse, I just I didn't think that was the it's not ideal to launch a new book. I, I agree with you 100%. And two, uh again, I am not going to belabor the point, but I'm <laughs> I'm not a fan of the original artist's art. Two for two. Plain and simple. Yep. Right. So we didn't talk about the book much and I was disappointed and and likely would have just kind of passed along in spite of being a fan of Dennis's. Um but uh they redeemed themselves because uh the original artist who shall not be named was gone after four issues. For replaced with the aforementioned Mr. Rodriguez. And uh, we already knew that Javier was the goods because of the work he's been doing in Daredevil uh, on the issues that Mr. Somni isn't doing. And uh, he's phenomenal. So the Marvel smartly uh, pub, uh, marketed this as uh, essentially a new jumping on point. Complete with a new costume. New costume, new, ca- new, new direction, the whole thing right on the cover. Uh, so... I gave this another try, as I think you did, David. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think they, they I, I think this should have been the number one issue. I agree again. They, they, they set this book up essentially. This is after Spider Verse. Uh, she has uh, sent Jessica has essentially uh, opted to quit the Avengers. She has quit Shield. She is trying to live. A normal life, and by normal, her 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 definition of normal would not be our definition of normal. But but she's essentially trying to become a street level hero, and just live her own life in relative anonymity, and on occasion save uh, the average person from the average threat. And uh, and we we see her attempting this new life. Things happen as they're wont to do. Um, her path is crossed by Mr. Ben Yurick, which is always nice to see Ben in a book. Ben needs her help with something, which she's initially not interested in helping him, but um, but she gets dim feels when she realizes something involving the porcupine. Who would have ever thought the porcupine would be the sympathetic uh, center of a story? But but he is in this book, and uh, she decides to take the case, as it were. Uh, after all, ben, Ben's case. And uh, and we're, away we go. So I I, I thought it was uh, terrific on every level. I I, uh, I in, in many ways it's analogous to the excitement I think a lot of people felt for Fraction's initial run on Hawkeye, which is that uh, this is going to be uh, us getting to know a character and her new supporting cast in a very intimate setting, away from the grand cosmic. Things she's normally dealing with in the team books that we see her in. And, uh, Rodriguez's art was a breath of fresh air. It was vibrant, colorful to your point. It was, uh, just, uh, well healed on every level. Just, just, all, there was, there was, uh, tons of, 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 I thought great composition with the action scenes. Um, loved it. Lo- I really loved it. I loved every, every bit of it. So I'm back on board for sure. How about you? <coughs> Excuse me. I, um, there was uh was it because I, I don't want to forget anybody. Um 
Avaro Lopez is the inker. I know we keep talking about pencils and colors, but yes, there was a uh, there was an inker involved. Um, I with for me it was um it was kind of like uh two out of three. Um, okay, I like the story. I'm 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 a Dennis Hopeless fan. I um I'm gonna give whatever he's working on a shot. I I guess I've kind of fallen out of Spider Woman favor for a while um it's uh she's she's a character who i i don't dislike and i don't i don't oh they bring in spider woman back i'm a shrug but it it i'm gonna give it a shot it's not a character who it, it's not eric o'grady you know i'm gonna give it a shot uh i like the story love the art but i wasn't real keen on on the character it it unlike eric o'grady she will admit Jessica will admit when she was wrong and, and, and when she would, which was fine. This issue, there were growing pains. You know, she's, she's focused and, and she's got blinders on and this is, this is her mission. This is what she wants to do. She really doesn't need any distractions, but yet here comes Ben with a distraction. She doesn't want to hear it, but then after she dismisses him, and then it smacks her in the face that maybe this dude was right because he, and it's, it, it's, it's one of my peeves where, and, and again, it, this is all about experience in life and growing up. But when somebody who knows what they're talking about, when somebody has experience with something and, and you're younger or you're just, you think you know better or know more than a person who knows what they're talking about. And then you're like, Oh, well, he was right after all that, that just, that irks me a lot. And, and it, it, um, it didn't stop me. I didn't throw the book down. Um, but it was one of those things where I'm like, this is, this is a superhero who has been doing this for many, many years. And for her to just be completely dismissive and, and not that that's fine. She wants to help people, you know, even, even it's no longer Jessica drew investigations. The, the business is closed. She's going to do an open concept kitchen. She's going to rearrange the place. And, um, so, you know, Ben is looking for her help and, and she just, she, she blows him off. But then when she finds out that, you know, actually what the dude was talking about was, was accurate, um, she decides that, all right, I'll, I'll the man up and, and I'll do what I can. And, and that's fine. So it, by the end of the issue, I was, I guess, Dennis brought me back around. I, I, I want to see it. It's, this is a very, I'm not going to say common, but it, it seems to be what's going on right now with, even with the Scott Lang current Ant-Man series, but, um, there, there are some characters, some heroes that Marvel seems to be, um, knocking down a peg or, or humanizing and, um, Almost kind of like doing a soft reboot because you would think characters who have been around for decades may not act like this or react this way, behave this way. But, um, like, like you said, it's a jumping on point and you want to get, you want to get readers invested and involved and, and, and intrigued and, and you want them to continue reading the story. So if, if we kind of have to shuffle things around, um, and, maybe rough up the characters so that even though they should have these years and years of experience, we, we kind of have to make sure that they 
move forward. And so maybe we just kind of have to knock them back a little bit so that they can grow with you with, 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 with these newer readers, um, if, if they exist. But, uh, really stupid tangent there. It, it was a really good issue. Um, the character brought me back around and, and I want to see where this particular storyline is going. Cause now I need to know who's doing this, who, who is, who's manipulating these bad guys to do these things. And, um, I, I have, um, high hopes again, because it is Dennis, but I don't think he's, 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 it's not like we're going to find out when, when all this is done that it's like arcade again or, or just some other n- nobody villain. It, it, it's probably going to be something pretty heavy. Maybe may a villain we haven't seen in a while, but I, I, I would like to know who's pulling these strings. So, uh, I thought the story was great. The art was fantastic. And, uh, because of all of that, because of all the good, I can overlook any of the, bad I personally felt in the middle of the book. But I, I uh it is a great jumping on point. I think you can really um I think you'll enjoy it if if and and I'm all for, you know, the the whole strong female lead character and uh there's nothing wrong with with her. And if this gets me back liking Jess again, then then even better. There we go. Did you see the page from um, the Bendis, Art Adams, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy team up where Rocket uh, and uh, Spider-Woman get into a, a verbal no. sparring match? I haven't seen match. the issue yet, so no. But. Uh, oh, and he makes a comment on her uh, her old costume. Oh, really? Yeah, a negative comment. Well, <laughs> and, uh, oh, go ahead. No, and and uh, I think it was bleeding cool. Where the, like, oh, so this is why Jessica changed her costume because I mean, he makes a derogatory comment that it's you know. Uh, well, she makes it, she pokes fun at herself too. Exactly. She says she, yeah. She spends a, a week uh, shame googling herself uh, under Spider Woman's ass. But yeah, her butt, they, yeah. Uh, she yeah. So so again, there, there was Dennis making sure that uh, yeah, it tongue in cheek or what have you. But yeah, it it hasn't gone. Un, uh, unnoticed. Right. Yes, sir. I'm digging the costume. I, I, I have to say, maybe it's just, uh, the freshness of the, of the new. Um, I, I like the old one better. But she, she can fly, right? Yeah. It, yeah. But she, and, and I, I think that's something else that might bug me a little bit is the whole thing with the motorcycle. I don't know why you need a motorcycle if, if you could fly around. I mean, I, <laughs> she's trying to live a normal life. I mean, you're right. I, yeah, I, if you're flying, yeah, I guess that kind of, you know, defeats the whole normal life aspect. I have this it. discussion with the kids every every time we take a, a walk down the toy aisle. It's like, why does the Hulk need a Jeep? <laughs> He's the Hulk. Spider-Man does not need a helicopter. Like, I, I, it's all merchandising, but you know what I mean? Yeah. They always giggle because, oh, here dad goes again. <laughs> but it's, yeah, dad's old. Dad's very old. <laughs> Alright, Second Chances Part 2. Oh boy. Yes. The fact that this book, which features the art, the brilliant art of 
Nathan Fox. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Jim. Oh. Jim. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> now listen. Listen to the lineup. Okay. Nathan Fox. Jim Rugg. Ulysses Farinas is in here. Uh, Michael Fife. Is it Fife? Yes. Fifa. Michal Fifa, I think. Oh, Fifa. Mm-hmm. Farrell Darumples mm-hmm. in here. Jim Mafood. Mm-hmm. Benjamin Mara. Holy crap. Um, and who's in issue five? I read issue one to five. Uh, issue five has Connor Wilmerson. Now, you, you have a lineup like that, and I have heard virtually nothing in the, in the internets. Uh, either, either pro or con about this book. It is, it is like it's going completely unnoticed, and I struggle to find out why. Well, I have an inkling. Um, and, and in terms of second chances, I must admit, I read the first issue when it came out, because Captain Victory and the Galactic Rangers, that's a Kirby, uh, property, and, well, it was, uh, still is. And I have a soft spot for all things Jack, so Captain Victory, means a lot to me. I I bought into this whole hog. I read the first issue and I maybe wasn't in the mood uh or the mindset or it just maybe was one of those things and it did not click at all. So, I let them stack up as I said five issues. I love this book. But Remember, I have a penchant for chaos. <laughs> uh, I really enjoy and appreciate chaos. Freewheeling, no holes barred, anything can happen. Visual uh, and in terms of story, just chaotic stew. And that's exactly what Captain Victory is. Uh, the, the fact that there are a number of different artists on this book. I mean, Nathan Fox is, is the anchor. And uh, as the uh, narrative warrants, they'll bring someone else in to do a couple pages here or there. The Benjamin Morrow sequence is is a riot. Um, in a nutshell, it's it's cool how Casey did this. Uh, Joe Casey's the writer. Um, there's this huge battle involving uh, Captain Victory and the Rangers, the the crew of the Dreadnought Tiger. You have Clavis and Taren and Oak. Um, Orca and Mr. Mind. I mean, all the, the notable players from, from Jack's stuff. Um, and, uh, they're fighting, uh, something called the Mechanos. And Captain Victory, in the heat of battle, is killed. Which could be a problem in, in many instances, but not so much in this one because, um, the, the, the higher ranking officers of the, the Galactic Rangers have backups. They have a body bank of clones into which they can download their identity should they expire. And that's exactly what happens. But the the, the, the dreadnought tiger is uh, not doing so good. Uh, the battle has taken its toll on it and uh, systems are failing. Uh, the, the identity is of Captain Victory is downloaded into not one but two clones, one of which the uh, growth process was truncated, so it's a young kid. Uh, the other, something uh, negatively impacted the, the process, and it's this hulking, scarred um, He-Man, just a giant of a being. But to make matters even worse, the clones, uh, they're jettisoned into escape pods, 
uh, the clones do not go to the same place, nor do they go to the same time. Uh, one is shot clear across the galaxy. The other finds its way to Earth. But in 1978, that's nuts. And, and I know it's 1978 because the, the, the version of victory that, that is tromping around, they call him Victor. One of his buddies, uh, buys, uh, a vinyl version, a vinyl uh, album of television's adventure, which came out in 1978. And he's in New York City, so there's, there's peep shows, the, the, the sex trade, the sex industry was booming. It was my time for New York City. Um, the peep shows, it's all there. And the, the, the story proceeds apace. But judging by the, the, uh, the pacing of the book, I think it's safe to say that this was not initially conceived as a miniseries because there's a ton of stuff going on and I, I find it amazing that Casey's gonna wrap all of these threads up in just one more issue. I mean, there, it's chaos. There's a ton of shit going on. Um, that the, you get, uh, these asides in which the, the clones experience things and then it goes back to the rangers and there's another threat going on and it's just all these things interwoven and you can actually see the pace picking up. He must have gotten, um, the sales figures at a certain point and says, well, you know what? <laughs> we better hedge our, hedge our bets and wrap this thing up because I'm thinking this had to be an ongoing. Because the pacing of the first issue, while chaotic, is nowhere near as breakneck as issue four and issue five. Mm-hmm. But I absolutely, I, I love it. The art is amazing. This, it's a visual tour de force. All these different artists, Nathan Fox at the helm, holy shit. It, it, it's just visually, it is amazing. Um, and I love the story too, but it's like, if you, do not want to invest a little bit of effort in in understanding what's going on. It's not that complex. It's just that there's there there are a lot of things to 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 take in. If you don't want to invest a little bit of effort, it's it's not the book for you. It's not like like Kirby stuff. There are layers of stuff going on here. Different concepts at play. Uh, the the jargon is free flowing. So um, take note. Um, but I gotta say, uh, looking at it now, I, I, I almost, you know, feel bad that I didn't give it some props, at least visually, in the 11 o'clockers, because it, when this thing is collected in, in one edition, it is gonna be something you're gonna want on your shelf. It is visually, it, it, it's, it's a punch to the nuts. That's how beautiful it is. Mm-hmm. It, it will take, it will, it will extract the the air out of your life. Oh, man, look at this. I mean, Nathan Fox does not get enough credit. For for a lot of years, I believe, I uh he was regarded uh as someone visually similar to Paul Pope, so therefore he he uh, existed within the shadows of the the more well-known uh Mr. Pope, but I I think he's got his own thing here. It uh the he he tweaks a lot of Kirby's um Original character designs makes them his own, and it, it is fantabulous. Now, Jason, Jason um, didn't didn't click with this book, and I'm stunned because the the roll call are a lot of people Jason um, likes. Casey, you know, that's he's in the Deadpool camp, and and you know, you've come around with Mister Mara to a, mm-hmm. to a certain extent. 
But, um, you know, Jim Mahfoud and Farrell Darrymple, these are heavy hitters. Yeah, I have no issue with the art. Um, <laughs> that's, that wasn't the issue. Uh, every one of those guys is awesome. Very not, they're all very different, so I'm not, I'm not sure the, I'm not sure they all blend together to tell one good story. Um, that's the thing. It's chaos. It's yeah. Assumed. Well, see that, that like like I I I mean I I don't think there's many bigger fans than Jim Rugg than than the three of us. And and I oh yeah. I I, I personally and I would tell Jim. Well, he's probably listening to the episode. I I don't think Jim's are juxtaposed against Nathan's in the same issue worked for me. Okay. I'd rather see an issue of Jim and an issue of Nathan. I, I thought the juxtaposition. Worked against them both because I love them both. Um, I haven't seen the subsequent issues to comment, but for me, it was just the story. Uh, you know, I think Joe Casey's great. Godland's awesome. We've, you know, we, but there are times most recently with, with, uh, was it Marijuana Man or whatever it was? Yeah. Uh, where I just think Casey yeah. goes off the rails and that's fine. I'm, more, I, I like his <laughs> stuff more than not. I, I think sex is good and, um, but but for me this was in the marijuana man camp. I just I read the first issue and said you got to be kidding me. Like I, I just not worth the effort. And and uh, and you're totally right. I I I read that issue in a, in a day when I didn't feel like trying and uh, I just didn't wasn't I haven't gone back. You know there's such a huge stack of comics that I own and haven't read that uh that it just was a very low priority to go back and 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 tr- get try to give it the old college try again. So. Mm. The, there's one particularly stunning spread in issue number two. The the scarred uh, victory is trudging up a mountain of garbage towards this. Well, these creatures perched on top, and they're they're they're, they're different colors. And Nate, it's by Nathan Fox. And the to keep it in in the typography camp, there's a gigantic white space in the upper left. And that's where the, the narrative takes place. They do not hamper the image at all. And there's, there's these two, um, indigenous life forms following the, the clone around and they're just, they're marveling at the things that this guy, he's superhuman. The, the things this guy can do, but a little bit of a Hellboy vibe to this, not, not a Mignola vibe, but just a, a Hellboy vibe. And, uh, you, then the, the panel, uh, panels proceed apace on the, on the bottom the lower half of, of the spread, it is amazing. It, it's just, it, it's one of those pieces that I, I, I look at and I think, man, if, if I had deep pockets, I would buy this original art. Stunning, stunning stuff. But, um, visuals are not the entire package. So if you're not grooving on the story, like, uh, it seems some people aren't. I, I just, the, the, you know, you need the, 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 the gamut of the experience and, it may not be that for for all people, but for me, woot. Nathan will always have a special place in my heart. He he was a contributor to my he was one of the contributors to my first ever jam piece. That's right. Yep. So, um, and he was supposed to do one at New York Comic Con, but uh, I don't think he ever and it was there. If he was there, I never could find him for the all the days that we were there. I saw you coming. I think that's right. <laughs> I kid, but I, kid I mean he's a I'll... he's a badass, and and look, he, oh he, shit, yeah, he is very much like. I mean, visually, he is very much like Paul Pope. I mean, I, he I sure is, that. yeah. But um, but but I mean, I, I think that uh, Dogs of War was great. Um, I think that uh, Pigeons from Hell was great. Um, yep. That uh, Dark Rain thing he did, 
what was it? Uh, Zodiac? Was it Zodiac? He did a thing for Marvel. Um, I believe, I believe it was during the Dark Reign thing that was just on, I have them. Uh, but I wasn't grooving on Dark Reign, so I didn't read it. I just looked at the art. Uh, so I can't be, uh, entirely, um, sure what the title was, but it's amazing. Yeah. He, Lethal Legion? No. Was it the oh, Lethal it Legion, be, maybe? Actually. Maybe it was. It could be. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Great stuff. I mean, he's good on everything. But, like I said, visually, he's very, very like Mr. Pope is very chaotic, too. He's reined it in over the years. You look at that, some of that old THB stuff, and it is just a morass of brushwork. But it works. It, it's not um, uh, cramped or cluttered or... Well, sometimes it is, but it, 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 it not, it's doesn't, it's not cluttered in spite of itself. It doesn't work against it. Right. And, and I mean, the, the ironically, cause again, this is coming out on our boy's, uh, birthday. Um, I, I first discovered Nathan because of Chris's love for his work. It, yeah. Um, it Pigeons, was, that was fluorescent black though. I think was the, it was coming out, what, four or five years ago at, uh, C2E2 and, and, and we all picked, I, I know I picked up a copy. He brought me over to meet Nathan and, uh, and that's a crazy, I mean, that, that book straight out of Meta Hurlant or Heavy Metal. I mean, that, that's certainly of that, of that ilk. I think, didn't, wasn't that serialized in Heavy Metal? Oh, maybe it was. I, I don't know. I, I, I think it may have been, yeah. yeah. Cool beans. Cool. Well, respect. Listen, I mean, again, it's, uh, to each his own. But, uh, I could see your point that if this is collected in nice hardcover, that the art alone would make it worth owning. Yes, yes. Respect. It is, it, it is a very, um, it's a dense story, a dense narrative, mm-hmm. and it, it 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 takes place in different locales and different times. So yeah, it's it's it it is um, all over the place. But that's your I that's like, your shit. I, I like that. I, I like distractions uh, and and that just the the unpredictability of it. Hey, before we got to um, there, there was a book I thought we were definitely going to talk about tonight that we all read. What that from Image Comics. By Miss Becky Cloonan, Mr. Andy Belanger, and Mr. Lee Lowridge. Southern Cross number one. Ah, what'd you think? Wow, that wasn't a very warm and, and fuzzy. <laughs> I, sound I didn't effect. get a chance to, re- to read it yet. What? I know, I'm sorry. I oh didn't. my God. What was I pissed off about? What did I really want to read? Yeah, I know. And and it was not made available yeah, well, to us. Well, which tells you right there, you shouldn't have wasted your time looking for it, and you should have read something that was good. But oh, it, it only stop. It only came out today. It's only a so relaunch of, of, of the Image flagship book. Right, but the, why did the, that what? stop you from reading what, this? Young we had this book on Monday. No, <laughs> I got distracted by the the candy colored uh-huh. escapades of one Captain Victory. I'm sorry. Oh uh, well, now you know how I get distracted easy. Well. Well, well, I want to talk about Southern Cross. Tell me. Well, we want you to read it. Yeah. Well, that's okay. Just tell me what you thought. Well, go ahead, David. You go. Influence me. I, uh, I liked it. I want to see, um, well, you guys are really pumping this thing up. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Just, just go, go, go fucking read it. Uh, <laughs> it's, um, because I don't, I, the thing that sticks out to me the most, is um Alex's wine bottle uh, that wasn't me uh, I think that was some yingling um it was I thought the cast of characters were fantastic I I wanted to see more about them I want to see more of the ship 
what kind of stopped me was Alex's constant, um, anytime she stopped to think about her sister Amber, it was all about, it, it, it kind of stopped the story from, from flowing for me a little bit. Uh, yeah, her name was Amber and she's my sister and it was just, and that was a little repetitive, but the whole issue I thought from, from start to finish, because we're not even, we're, we haven't even really, um, Alex needs to get to Titan to claim her sister's body and, uh, they're on the ship, the Southern Cross, so they can get there. It's going to take about a week to get to Titan. Uh, so you meet along with, um, with Alex, you, you get to meet everybody who, um, who's on the ship. And so she's your eyes and ears and, and that's your point of reference. Um, it all makes sense. I like that. I, I like when we're introduced to something, um, where we're not hit with like technical information or caption boxes telling you what's going on. I, I, I re I thought Clunan's idea of, having other people explain the ship and who everybody is to the person who's new to the ship. I thought that was fantastic. I, I like that because now you're, you're in it and, and you get to move forward with the characters and there's a, um, there's a connection there and it's, it doesn't feel cold. Um, there are mysteries or one particular mystery, at least with the whole, um, I guess the drivetrain aspect of the ship, but, uh, I, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Andy's work is gorgeous. Um, it's a, uh, it's definitely another one of those first image issues that, uh, that I think they're known for more lately where, you know, they, they hit the ground running and, and it's a, uh, it, it's not really like other, it's not like how, it's not like Saga, it's not like East of West, it's, um, it's its own thing, and it, it's, I thought it was a very good, very strong first issue. What's your appetite? I need to know what's gonna happen once we get to Titan. I need to, uh, like Alex, I need to see where, um, what happened to her sister, where we're going, and, and, and there are little things like, other people on the planet, other workers on the planet, you know, they do the heavy lifting, they do the hard work. You might expect them, uh, they'll, they'll face challenges that are life threatening. But apparently Amber worked, uh, in an office. She was on the administrative side of things. So that again adds to the mystery aspect of it. So there are quite, Alex has questions and, and therefore, I have questions. The reader has questions and I, I thought it was a very, uh, solid, first issue uh i i agree with most of what you said i i, I would say I, I liked it a little bit more than you did okay because i would i just say i would go a little higher than solid i thought it was a home run okay all right uh now i'm a sucker for some of the tropes that were in this book you give me a giant battleship in space like yamato and uh I, i'm i'm in you know, uh, you, all right i this is uh -oh. no, no 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 i I keep saying, you know, I, I, I love reading digitally because content is king. It, it, the story is, it shouldn't matter what, how, how, what, what package it's in. It shouldn't matter how it's delivered. Unfortunately, and this is where Vince and I agree, PDFs kill my enjoyment of a lot of things. And, and there were a lot 
I don't want to say a lot. There were a few, more than a few double page spreads. And that kind of killed the flow for me. Mm, so okay. when I read, when, when I read this from Comicsology, when I read double page spreads as they were intended, I will, I'll, I'll revisit and, and be able probably to curb some of my less than enthusiastic appreciation that, that you have for it. But it, it, you're right. It, it's, you mentioned the battleship and I, and I, I remember seeing the battleship, but I remember seeing half the fucking battleship until I swiped the page. And, and that's, ah, I see. that what, bugs me. Did, oh, what do you, so what do you use to, to read PDFs? Well, I read this, I read this in, in reader today at work. So that was on my screen one, I, I scrolled down. So that's one page after another. Oh, you don't do facing pages? Not, not in, um, not on that. Not not on the monitor I was oh, on. Oh, see, I use Comic Seal, so for me, I just I, turn right. I, I, I turn it landscape and I see the whole thing. I did, and I didn't. Um, I didn't import it into Comic Seal. I just read it right from Dropbox. Got it. Ah. Now, now Andy's art, which again we're a little familiar with because we met Andy and looked at his work, but in this, um, you could definitely see he's got some interesting influences. The thing that really sticks out for me of his art is the eyes. The eyes have it. Mm-hmm. He draws these big, almost alien-like doe eyes on the main character that are captivating. Um, very similar to Mike Allred's approach to faces, I think. Um, some of the other characters that, that aren't, I think meant to be drawn beautifully are reminding me a little bit of Steve Dillon. Um, I would even go and, and I, I may get chastised for this because I'm certainly not a, uh, historian of this, of this gentleman's work, but I think one of the, he, this works look a little bit like, um, some of the stuff I've seen from the Hernandez brothers. Hmm. Um, and again, I'll, if you guys tell me I'm nuts on that, I won't fight back because I don't profess to be a, a, a huge I think, I think you're nuts on that. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Like I said, I'm not going to fight yeah. that one. It just, it popped in my head when I was looking at the stuff that, okay. Uh, but I, I, I grooved it. And one of the things I, 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 I think stands out for me in this is the coloring because the, mm-hmm. the, 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 the most of the story takes place in, Inside of this, this ship, this giant spaceship. And so you would expect in that setting that it would be very muted artificial light, uh, fluorescent, that type of thing. And, and the colors have this overlay. There's this fluorescent strange overlay on all the primary colors. And I think it works really well, uh, to convey that they're inside of this dank, uh, you know, artificial, uh, setting. Uh, I, Andy puts a ton of detail in the in the in the page layouts, uh, just a, a ton of backgrounds, very very technical uh, outlays of the ship and the corridors and all that sort of thing. Uh, must have taken a lot of time to draw some of these pages for sure. So, and as you did say, I, I think they introduced us to a bunch of different characters which have uh, nefarious intentions, it would seem, or at least the potential for that. Yeah. I suspect if this book is successful commercially, there's a lot more mysteries going on than simply her trying to figure out what happened to her sister. So, um, now I dug it the most, man. I, I, this is one of those of that crop of, of image expo books that this was a part of. This is one of the ones I was most looking forward to. Uh, and, uh, and I, I think it was ter- a terrific first issue. I also think that Becky Cloonan is, is making herself out to be quite an excellent horror and suspense writer. Um, she's building a nice, nice bibliography on that front, aside from being a terrific cartoonist herself. So, so yeah, big, big thumbs up for me on Southern Cross. Haters. Can't, can't wait to read it. Yeah. There's no haters. I'm just kidding. Andy's awesome. He is awesome. uh... And he's a big wrestling mark. 
Dude, that was that was was one of the highlights of the weekend. Was just well, I mean, we were talking wrestling, and then he mentions "Homie from the Hills Have Eyes," and then all of a sudden, speaking of eyes, Vince's lights up, and that's like all it. So Andy, Andy was a ton of fun. We should have him on the show. Oh, for chilling, chilling with Michael Barryman. Yes, your aces in my book. If if you uh, threw back uh, alcoholic beverages with Michael Barryman, we should have Andy and Becky on maybe to talk about this book. Yes, that'd be cool. Who, Who could arrange that for us? I don't know. I should, I don't know. I should find out. Did anybody, um, yeah. before, before, just before we wrap up, real quick question. Did anybody read Lemire and Perez's All New Hawkeye, number no. one? No. All right. No. Save it for next week. Gotta save it because I definitely want to read that and I'm sure, it, I suspect I'll own the art from that because can't quit I the Ramon. Was, oh shit, yeah. I heard it was very good. Did you? Rave, rave reviews, yeah. Okay. You didn't dig it? No, no, I'm, I, I'm I not saying agree. anything until y'all. Oh, okay, all right. To be, to be continued. Yes. See, th- tune in for next week for all new Hawkeye. Oh shit. What? As well as usual. This episode of Eleven O'clock Comics has been brought to you by Discount Comic Book Service. Get your books, get them cheap, get them delivered right to your damn door. Uh, a fraction of of effort gets you a gigantic avalanche of books such as and money such as from oni the auteur sister bambi number one for a dollar 99 the shadow year one omnibus from dynamite 14 dollars and 99 cents that's half off and what i think will be the evergreen title for valiant it is the valiant lemire kent paulo rivera uh, 9.99 cover price. Your price four dollars and ninety nine cents. In your travels, I want you to read some Fred Van Lenty. Ah, uh, FVL. Specifically, a book that he's doing over at Dark Horse with um, Brian Ching and uh, Michael Atier. It is one of my all time favorite characters. I am, of course, talking about Conan. This one is called Conan the Avenger. Specifically, I read issues 7 to 11, I believe. The name of the story is The Damned Horde. Van Lenti understands Conan and Robert E. Howard. Uh, in this arc, Conan rescues a slave girl. And she uh, is unable to speak. She had, Her tongue was, was cut out. But she relates to him the information that she knows of a, a gigantic horde of riches uh, in uh, Nippur, that's um, City of the Ziggurats. And so you say riches, Conan's ears per, uh, perk up. But her sister is uh, being held there as a slave. So in, in exchange for the information... Conan uh, has to agree to save her sister. So um, various and sundry uh, adventures ensue on the way to this uh, cache of riches, but someone else pops up on the scene who uh, wishes to exploit the knowledge these girls have to um, secure a tome of arcane uh, knowledge called the Book of Skelos. Now, who do you, who do you think this, this, uh, bit taller. this, uh, someone who would want arcane knowledge in the Conan universe? Who do you think it is? Oh, oh, that guy. 
Fathomon. Yep. Oh, baby. Oh, man. This ser- this arc is fantastic. And um, Brian Ching's artwork, it's, it's a lot different than what I have been um, exposed to with Conan. It, it's not in the Basima camp or um, the uh, Carrie Nord style. It's it's uh, it's a dark horse looking book. It's very brushy. It's it's like Ghost Fleet. Um, he draws Conan very handsome, not particularly beefy like Basima. He's he's built, but he's he's not like um, he's he, it doesn't have that Basima guilt uh, girth. Is not I didn't look under Conan's loincloth, but. He is a girthy look guy, but no, there's, this is a young-ish, handsome Conan. So it's more like the Barry Windsor Smith? No, no, it doesn't have the elegance okay. of, of Barry Windsor Smith. It's, it's a rugged, um, uh, very, um, it's, it's, the brushwork is pretty savage and immediate and, uh, there's not a, a whole lot of embellishing. It's, it's, it's very straightforward, but beautiful line work. I mean, uh, the, the uh, thicks and thins abound. It's really sharp, but like it, it, it's, it's in the ghost fleet camp and, and a lot of other dark horse books where they really push the brush to, to get that, that variance in, in, uh, thickness. I love it. I think it is fantastic. Um, and it's, it's, it's Conan, so it scratches that itch that has never really gone away from way back, um, from the, the Savage Tales days. Oh. Nice. Yeah. Gotta thank Marvel for a lot of stuff. My love of Conan being one of them. Mm-hmm. I hear that. Yep. So yeah, Conan the Avenger from Dark Horse issue 7 to 11. I, um, I think 11 is the last issue, and then Van Lenti will pick up a, a, another arc and do something else. Bert. No prints that when friend Van Lenti writes Conan, he writes it well. Boom. Yep. Well, Dark Horse, actually. the uh, In your travels, um, I've been uh, shotgun in the past few issues of this, trying to catch up. Iron Fist, The Living Weapon. Mm-hmm. Uh, by Mr. Andrews. It is still... A visual feast. Uh, they're, they're still feeling that, that Frank Miller vibe from time to time, but it works. Andrews throws so much in a panel and on a page, but it, it's not distracting. And, and he has a, um, he knows just how much he'll, he'll show a, um, uh, widescreen panel of, but it's a far away, it, it, it's something way out in the distance and he'll just, he'll, he'll draw like a few lines that will tell you that that's a tree. And then some other lines where, where, where some characters where some figures are fighting and, um, and they're just in black because all around him is nothing but white space. And it's just, you, you see just enough to make everything out so that you can follow along. And it, it really works, especially in this particular issue. Um, where Danny is going to hell to save mom's soul. This is still the ongoing story of, uh, Andrews is telling basically we're, we're breaking the character down before we get to build him back up. And, um, it is not anything like the, uh, 
Brubaker and Fraction and then Fraction and Aja, Iron Fist, um, the Immortal Iron Fist where, where we had various Iron Fists of, of yore. This is just, um, just Danny. There are mentions of like Orson Randall and a few other previous, um, uh, Iron Fists, but, uh, Danny tends, he, he took the name literally where, where you can actually just, the power you have, um, like Randall who used guns and you had other, you had another fist who used a bow and arrow, you know, you, just because they're your hands, um, the, the chi can flow through you through a weapon and, and you can use that so you don't have to take it so literal. But, um, this melds the martial arts, Danny's Kung Fu with science fiction. Um, there's the, uh, the technological side of, uh, of Kunan Lun. There's, um, the portals to go from, uh, the hidden land back to New York. Uh, it's, 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 I don't want to say crazy because it's not, it's not so out there. It, it, Andrews has a vision and, and he's telling the story that this, this arc, um, issues seven and, and I'm up to number, I just, I'm about to start number, uh, I think issue 10. Um, this arc is called Redemption. Uh, and Danny and, uh, Sparrow, who was a, uh, a slave girl that, that he met when he and his family first got to the land. Um, and, uh, and this really short old man named, uh, Fo or Fu, he, um, they're, they're, they're coming to New York to, uh, basically maybe wrap things up, may, may, maybe, uh, bite off a little more than they can chew, but it, it's been a, it's been a hell of a ride and, and I hope that, um, hope it goes on for a while longer I, i've been having a blast with it it, it just it, it looks fantastic and and i know that um based on his facebook posts and seeing things like that uh andrews is having a blast with this book it, it it's uh i don't know if it's if it's something that he's been wanting to do with this character for a while but it, it definitely feels like it. it it feels like he he loves this character and he just uh he's he's this is Iron Fist story and, and he, he, he demands to tell it and, and I, uh, I give respect for it. It, it's, it's not really like any of the other Iron Fist stories you've read and, and, uh, we're getting a lot of insight where we're getting some really getting to know the way Danny thinks and, and how he sees himself and, and the world around him. And it's, it's pretty interesting. I dig it. I gotta catch up. Yes. I got them all. I got them all. I got the last few issues sitting in my iPad right now, but I haven't gotten caught up yet. Uh, all right. I too am going to shout out a lesser talked about Marvel series tonight on my in your travels. In your travels, everybody should be picking up if you haven't already. The legendary Star Lord. Ah, uh, yes. By Mr. Sam Humphreys is the writer. The first arc uh, of the trade is uh, five issues. Mm-hmm. Called Face It, I Rule. Four of those five issues uh, are done by Mr. Paco Medina. With, First uh, issue is gorgeous. Uh, yes, with Juan Velasco on inks. And the fourth issue is penciled and inked by Mr. Freddie Williams, 
who was a fill-in. There you go. Hey, now. Uh, Love him. But I will say that uh, Paco, he, he, I haven't seen him look this good in a long time. <laughs> it's pretty serious. It is, yeah. It's, yeah. it's, 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 it's yeah, Art Adams level. It's yeah. Art Adams level. It's, I mean, he's always been in, of that, of that camp, but, but this is, this is, put it this way, I'm a big fan of Nick Bradshaw, who I think is the reigning yes. Art Adams protege. And I think I dig what's going down in the Starlord book more than what I've seen of, of Bradshaw in the last few years. Uh, I know it's hefty talk. So. I see that. This book, uh, I gotta tip my cap to Humphreys. Um, this book is, uh, Treats Star Lord in a way that I think would be very comfortable for those who were introduced to or fell in love with the movie version of Chris Pratt. Um, I think this could easily be perceived by anyone that reads this as a comic adaptation of Chris Pratt's character. However, this is not one of those things where they shoehorned in movie continuity into a book just to make it work. I mean, this is our, I say our, this is, the Star Lord of the Six One Six, in a solo adventure driven by uh, the, the sort of the in between time of what's going on in Guardians, and we see a lot of uh, what, what makes him great. And I, I love that Humphreys inserts these comedic moments, just like we got in the movie. Um, I won't go into too many, but there's one great one where where Star Lord Peter Quill is is being held in a Badoon prison. And he's got a communicator, a holographic communicator, and he's often talking to Kitty Pride, who he's got a little thing going on with. And Kitty's back on Earth, and uh, he rings her up and he to help escape the prison. He says, "Listen, you gotta. I need you to be a distraction." And she says, "How?" He says, "You have to scare these people when they come in." So when the Badoon guards open the door, uh, there's a holographic projection of Kitty. Dressed in one of those ridiculous banana costumes that you've seen, you know those, you know those. <laughs> she's dressed in a banana costume and she's singing "Hooked on a Feeling." She's singing ah. the Uga Chaka Uga Chaka, <laughs> and it freaks the Badoon guards out, and they fall over and faint, and he escapes, which uh, I just thought was was very tongue in cheek and and, and, <laughs> and clever. Uh, he gets uh, he shows some heart. He's 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 got that Han Solo aspect where he's. He's perceived to be this money-grubbing uh, malcontent, but he really has a heart. And pretty much when faced with doing the right thing or making himself money, he almost always defaults to doing the right thing, even though yeah. nobody expects him to. So, um, yeah, I just – I have no idea how well this, this series is doing. I, I don't know if there's a, a Guardians overload going on right now between the Rocket comic and this and the three Guardians books and all that stuff. But I will say that – uh, this first arc was terrific, and Humphreys and, and Medina in particular, um, exciting stuff. We're left with this arc uh, with Peter heading to Earth to handle his business against a certain Infinity Gauntlet wielding purple skinned baddie. So, <laughs> wonder who that could yeah. be. Ooh la la, Badoon. Yes. Yep. We watched the movie again. Uh, this past weekend, my son loves it. Great Me movie. too. Me too. And I gotta wonder. I don't have the Blu-ray, so maybe it's revealed in the director's commentary. I don't know. I have to wonder if the dancing Groot was planned from the get-go. It was because it was okay. Because that scene, they've seen it at least ten times. When that scene pops up, you can't say a word 
the kids just they're mesmerized. They love and the giggles. So they Renee, love that. Yeah. They love that scene. Uh, it was originally supposed to be the stinger at the very end, and uh, I guess they decided. I, I forget who decided to um, move it up to be uh, before the credits, but it all it, it was. It was also kept a secret because a lot of people were giving them flack for not having a dancing Groot toy available when mm. the movie came out. Right. But in order for that to happen, the toy makers would have had to have known about the scene before the movie was released and they didn't right. want to risk that scene from being leaked. That's beautiful. Well, I think the damage was undone because there's a lot of dancing group yes. things out there. Yeah. 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 And, um, I initially it was, I was mesmerized because of this character appearing on screen. But now that I've seen it a dozen or so times, I think the Howard, the duck scene was fumbled. I think it's a mess. You can't understand what he's saying. Uh, he, it happens way too quickly. It does happen quick. Uh, the design I don't think is all that great. I, I'm, I'm, it's, it's a flat, it's a real flash in the pan and I hope they, they tweak it should they use him in other stuff, but the design that appears on the screen in that little clip is not all that great. I tend to overlook Howard's part because I'm just giddy that there's Cosmo on the screen. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. And it is Howard, so I gotta give <laughs> it a little bit of love, but I, I just don't think, and it, like I said, initially I thought it was all that, but now having seen it a bunch of times, I don't think it's all that great. Do you um do you slow down when you're hanging out with the collector at all, or to, to look to see what else is going on back there in the tubes, or the nice Beta Ray Bill? Or I went frame him? by I went frame by frame. Okay, I I slowed it down and just to just to see everything that was in there. Uh, but yeah, it's it I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not as giddy as I was when I first saw it. But let's get a little positive. I did get, I don't know where you guys are right in, in the run. Oh. In the run. But I, I read a bunch of saga over the weekend. I'm up to 26. You're one issue more than me. Um, it was losing me. Yep. Issues 20 and 21, uh, the, the whole. Yeah. Uh, Alana's drug problem. Yeah, day in the life of Alana, uh, I could do without. Yeah, don't don't really care. Woe is me. Um, and and even even Marco with the bat chick, <laughs> and and you know looking looking for someone to occupy his uh, excessive free time. Eh, yeah, it, it was starting to stray water. But, right, but once once um, the walrus, a goose. Once once the walrus and and the 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 quest for the will and and that stuff started to kick in again. Uh, it, it got much better, and I'm I'm back on board. But those two issues, it was it was pretty tenuous there. I was even considering, you know, not reading yeah. after the arc. Uh, it's, it's it's definitely on the upswing after that last arc, and and there there are times where I'm going along with everybody, but then Vaughn pulls something, and and it makes me wonder if if he's making it up as he goes along. And which can work. I'm sure there's yeah. an overarching, I'm sure there's a plan. And, and, you know, however long he wants to tell the story, it's, that's, that's how long it's going to take them to finish it. But, um, it, I think they're going to zig 
and and they zag, but then they introduce a new character or a, a character who's very similar to another character, and it's just like now you're just you're you're swerving us just to keep it going along, and it, I just I get that making up as I go along type feeling more often than not. Yeah, I'm guessing he had something planned um, with the Alana's uh, induction into the entertainment industry, but if he did, it was lost on me. I mean, it just seemed like uh, a waste of time. Yeah. Jason, what do you think? Well, I'm three or four issues behind, so I can't really. Oh. Okay. I mean, I, I didn't. I I definitely didn't. I know what you're saying. I I I definitely think the the Alana getting hooked on the drugs whole little side bit and her doing the the soap operas wasn't as powerful as what you know for a good a good chunk of their saga was the best book on the shelves. Period. Mm-hmm. Um. But I guess I, uh, well, I guess the proof's in the pudding that, that, that those issues have put me on pause. So I need to catch up. So, right. Yeah. Right. So I'm encouraged to hear they, that you guys think it's back on track. That's good. It is. Yeah. I think it is. Um, judging by the reader response, um, in terms of the, the, the photos that they send him, they at least got a cosplay. Yeah thing out of Alana's, uh, you know, super outfit. So I guess that's a plus. But, um, and it seems like Hazel's developing at a really rapid pace. Right. Yeah. Or is it, or is it just I, me? I'm yeah. I mean, she's, you. she's talking already. Well, she's, you know, what is she? Not even two. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Well, we don't know the gestation period. I mean, they're not human. Right. That's, that's true. That's true. But, um, yeah, no, back, you're right. Back, back on track and, and, um, I'm glad. Um, I don't understand the, the reason for the wraparound cover on 25, but hey, you give me a, a Fiona Staples wraparound cover, I'm gonna take it. Yeah, yeah. Yep. It wasn't even exercise. It was just, you know, here's 25, which is good. It's refreshing. Whatever. <laughs> Alright, everybody. Crickets. Thank you for being here once again. As usual, you can find the next one of these, the very same place you found this one of these. Join us, please, because consoling David is a bitch. Oh, God. And sure I'm tired, tired of it. So is lifting him in ego. He loves you. <laughs> so much. So, so placate him. Be here next week. Placate me. I, I want to see you back. Jason doesn't really care. But. Eh. We all love you so much. Be here. Say good night, David. Good night. Hey, Gracie. David. I think he gets the pause right down to the millisecond. That's just creepy. Good night. Peace. No, I'm trying to. Oh, you're going to do the pause. Okay, I'm sorry. Take note. Good night, David. (laughs) Good night, David. Oh, it's uncanny. Holy crap, that's your superpower. Of all the things, it's great. Bye. To all the girls that loved before. Both of them. Oh, boy. He traveled in and out the back door. Oh, yes. Yeah. Stop, dude, no. Don't tell me that. (laughs) It's like Velcro. (laughs) (laughs) That wrong, man.